looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcasts. So check out RatSaddleReview.com or search Review on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. It's time for Rat Salad Review with your hosts, Wayne Noon, Greg Norgal, and Nate Lander. Welcome to Rat Salad Review. What's up, guys? What's up, Nate? Hey, Hello. hey. Nice Not much. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. We are here today with King Fally. What's up, King? Hi. Hello. I'm good. I'm uh, going nuts from being stuck in the fucking house this whole year, but I'm, I'm fucking good. Ready to rock. Hey, I, actually, you, you uh, just released a new album, though. Yeah. Rotten to the core, too. Yeah, we just we, we had to follow up our hardcore uh, punk thing from almost 20 years ago. It was mm-hmm. time to get the second one out. We actually We actually recorded it right before all this crazy crap happened, and we got it done, and then uh, we did it with a label called Malt Soda, which is a good friend of mine, this guy, Sco- Scooter Buell. And uh, and by the time he went to press it, the fucking factories had shut down and all this shit. So he had to literally took like, what, five, six months to get the factory to to press it. The plant was on, off, open, closed, you know, back and forth like everything else. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it came out great, dude. I fucking love it, man. We got to do it. We did it with the live the, the live deceased band, which is pretty much, uh, I guess that's kind of funny to say the live deceased band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the dead, the, the dead live band. But, uh <laughs> We uh, you know, it was me and it was uh, Shane. People who played on the uh, Ghostly White record and the uh, Surreal Overdose, and it was um, Amos, our new drummer, Amos Rifkin's first thing on 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 anything on record, and then Matt Ibach's first thing on any on anything on record too. And uh, it's fucking and Walter White on bass. Uh, mostly the live guys. We've been playing so much together. I wanted to get out with these guys and fucking rock this because most of the studio stuff all the studio stuff, you know, the original deceased material. It's always me, Mike Smith, who's retired from playing live and left, who lives in Texas and doesn't get out the East Coast much where everything else is going on. But, dude, it came out great, man. We fucking, uh, I really like it. We did a bunch of crazy shit from bands like Final Conflict and Lethal Aggression to some old-timers like Buzzcocks and The Clash. Just yeah. showing that side of things. I mean, grew up with hardcore, you know, crossover, punk rock, all that stuff. I mean, I 12 years old going to the Zare in my town and buying Clash London Call, and that kind of changed my world. And uh, everybody in my neighborhood thought I was gross for buying it. They were, I remember my best friend's sister was like, what record did you buy? I'm like, the Clash. She's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I go in her room and she'd be playing Stevie Nicks, you know, fucking uh, Belladonna. Shit like that. So, uh, but it came out good. We're we're happy, you know. It's it's out there. If anybody needs a copy, you know, we can get in touch. Did you play uh, drums on the album? 
I didn't. I, Amos did all the drumming on this. I just, I just fucking sang. We basically, uh, it was pretty crazy because uh, we recorded it in a pretty wild way. We, we did the drums and then the, all the guys laid down the guitars and I, I added the vocals. We didn't do it live in a room. We did a lot of the first one, like a live in a room. This one, we kind of just laid, laid it down. And I think this one sounds better. Um, it's got a little bit more power to it. We really, both of them, you talking next to nothing budget. I mean, both of them, a couple hundred dollars, you know, situation, you know and uh quickly and in and out that's how i wanted to do it so i wanted to keep it like pretty raw and honest you know that, that we didn't want to just not like overdubs and triple guitars and backing you know dubbing and vocals over vocals for just strength and courses I, I thought you know it was pretty cool but i really thought vocals came out pretty fucking good on this damn thing you know being 52 years old now and stuff i'm you know, with Ghostly White being the last thing I was in the studio for, uh, I'm pretty fucking happy, and I love the way the guys played. Amos kicked ass on drums, man. It just really, it really came out good. Yeah, nice. cool. Yeah, I just ordered it from you the other day, so I can't wait to get it and hear it. Yeah, it should uh, be there, man. It should be there tomorrow. I hope so. Um, the artwork is really nice, too. I like that. Who did that? I can't remember his name. The idea I had, he came back with it, and it was perfect. Was exactly what I wanted to get from it. It's colorful. It had its own like identity and character, and a good guy. You got to get that guy's name in my mind better. I don't know the guy at all. It's just we just uh, I was like third party with uh, with Scooter's buddy and stuff. But yeah, he he did all of it, man. Did a great job. And Scooter kicked ass. You know, he did everything. Got all the layout done, and it would have been out in weeks. And like I said, if it wasn't for the damn fucking virus shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Well, hopefully the virus goes away soon and everybody can get back to normal and everything. So, I want to get back to the shows, dude. I've been hearing some crazy shit. Inside sources and some stuff, man, saying we're going to be wearing masks for five years, dude. (laughs) I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And if that happens, they're not going to let anybody do, you know, maybe us, you know, we can go play the bars to a couple hundred people here and there and things like that. Some of the mm-hmm. stuff we've all come accustomed to, you know, the summer Iron Maiden shows and you know, above the, the standard stuff we mostly all go to, the underground type of stuff might not happen. And who knows if we'll even do the underground stuff. I mean, over here where, where I am in the Philly area, man, they don't, they don't have shit. They, I mean, even like the, the restaurants, man, it's like there's nobody in them. People, really? Half the people are scared. Half the people are scared. The fucking laws in each state are, you know, obviously different, but. They want that what twenty five percent in most in most places and stuff. So you can't even really get anybody in there to pay any bands to play. You know what I'm saying? Well, literally, it's going to be going to go even more underground. You know, I hope they start opening up some outdoor fucking situations and stuff. I mean, the only band I think I've seen it all playing out was fucking Docket. I saw some outdoor <laughs> thing in Virginia on YouTube, and it was the most horrific fucking thing I ever sat doing in my fucking life. I'm like, <laughs> I, it's, I mean, nobody. I was like, Boy Rod not pouring, you know. Maybe not coming. Nothing else is happening. Out on the road. Everybody seems to be doing like online stuff. Did you ever think of doing that? Well, actually, you don't have a camera. Uh, so we'll, we'll go that would do. We could probably do something crazy like that. I've talked to the guys a little bit about that. Maybe so. We maybe we'll go down to uh, our jam spot and go in there and just film something and stuff. We got we got access to all that shit if we need it and stuff. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. skyping out of my house. I don't want to sit yeah. in my room and. I'm, and and rock the crowd from the fucking, you know, the computer chair. I don't want to be on a mouse. I want to get up there and run around like a fool. You know, just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. To the wall. But yeah, it would be a good idea. I mean, anything, dude. I got so much fucking energy. I'm, I'm literally going insane. I'm already, you know, a little <laughs> insane to start with. So it sounds like <laughs> it's getting pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I, you know, I'm fucking just sitting home too much, dude. I hate sitting. 
I don't like things that I hate to do in my life. I don't like sleeping. I've never been a sleeper my whole fucking life. I've never been a slow down or take time off, you know, away from playing shows and making music. And it's even before we did this, this happened. Like if we decided, well, it wasn't my thing, but the other guys in the band wanted to have like Thanksgiving and Christmas and shit off. We had a hundred day break then. And we came back at the end of, I think it was the end of February. We played one show in Frederick, Maryland. And right after that, everything closed down. We had, yeah. we had uh, Florida. We had a lot of shit coming. We were ready to go all over the country. 35th anniversary of the band. And yeah. uh, they were like, nope, nope, and nope. And then we had big shows here in Philly. We had our, our my old stomping grounds, Virginia, D.C. area. Big stuff going on. Now we, now we wait. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, everybody's got to look after each other and stuff. And people are going nuts, you know, or everybody's turning into this freaky world. Everybody's just bitching and moaning about every fucking thing, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be the politics and the fucking people running around the fucking streets. It's just, it's just fucked up, man. I'm just keeping my cool about it all, but I do miss playing music. That's for fucking sure. Yeah, yeah I think everybody misses hearing it and seeing it and everything. So, um, our other host that we have on the show, do you want to uh, maybe give uh, King some hints who you are? Um. Ooh. All right, let's see. I don't know if he'll get this. This is, this is a hard hint. Uh, King, um, any any uh, any leeway on that Thundersteel album you want to release? Oh, you mean Thunderfire? Thunderfire, I'm sorry, yeah. Well, I've got a lot of people asking about that, and there is no leeway on that record. That, that guy's drunk, and it's only it was up for at least a couple hours to lay me down a master fucking tape of everything. It's been, it's been a few few it's been a four or five years now since i think tried to come out with that guy so no that, that doesn't give it away <laughs> I, I i okay i'll give you one that might give it away uh fuck that paul stanley album ace fraley's album is the best of the solo albums how about that Phenomenal, but when I came to getting into stuff like some of that, that New York Groove cover, ugh, one of the worst yeah, moments yeah. of my life. I'm like, hold me. You still don't know who I am, huh? It's, this might be a tough one. Okay. And your, might... na- your name is Nate? No. No, that's no. no. His name no. is Nate. Who's Nate? Nate's I'm, the younger. Is there Nate here? Am, am I weird now? Am I getting the corona on the phone? <laughs> no, I'm Nate's right guy. here. Where do you live? New York? What? All right, how about this hint? I live in Florida. You live in Florida. So it's... Oh, I know who this is, I think. It's Ralph. <laughs> yes. That's what it. Yeah, I I gave away by mistake, but still, you know, you didn't catch on anything. Well, then I didn't know because I thought it was a teaching song joke. You know, in row. I didn't know. You put that on the ground. You always do something. You had to go chaperone. Yeah. You had to help you. Your buddy. All that stuff down there, everything going on. You guys are always bitching about kids. Good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, but um, uh, Ruben says hi, by the way. 
Yeah, if you just said I, if you just said Eddie Van Halen rules, I'd have known it was Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now we know who it is. I, I didn't know, but yeah, I, I, definitely. Paul was about five years ago. You were up here in Philly. You, you guys played up here. You and Alex, right? Exactly with Warmock. Exactly. I was there. That's uh, we were, if, I, you I, said, if you just said Warmock, I didn't know. Who yeah, uh, when you I, say Ace Fairley is better than Paul Stanley, come on, you know as much as I do. A lot of people think that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I thought you'd know that because we've had little discussions about that. Oh, sure, many. Uh, you do, you do, I, I, dude, I love watching you do your Rate Your Kiss records, though. They're totally wrong, but it's still good to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a man make love to an Ace Fairley solo record, but I have now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good to talk to you. I hope you're doing good, Ross. Good to do good you're here, brother. Uh, I'm doing great, dude. And I'm glad you're doing well too. You know, and uh, you, right know, you know that that I think you rule, brother. Even if we do disagree on many things, but uh, we agree on many things as well, dude. We don't. Have, it's always if everybody agreed on the same thing, we might as well have the same fucking name. It's always it, it, to me. It's always been about disrespecting other people's opinions, and like I always say, teach their own. I, you know, I don't give a fuck what anybody listens to or doesn't listen to, man. And, you know, if they don't like what I play or my band, I don't, oh, I don't want to be around that guy who doesn't like me or my band or I don't give a fuck, man. <laughs> Love what you mean, brother. Yes, and I'm glad you don't give me And you were, they, they were setting, my friend Elsie was trying to set you up to play Churchill's down here. Um, That's what I was just talking about, Florida. We were, dude, we were ready to go. But fucking, yeah, she was uh, like, hey, no coming. I was like, Problem. We can't even get out of the fucking state. I was like, I was like, you don't even allow enough to go near an airport. Oh, that we'll, 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 we'll make it happen. I know you guys are more wide open in Florida than about any other fucking state, but I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, you don't want to go to Florida yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, before we get talking into what we uh, wanted to talk about on the show, um, I don't know if you want to even talk about this because last time you wanted me to delete it. But what's going on with the documentary? Well, the documentary's happening. Yeah, my thing with deleting it is not so much that. It's just I don't know what to say and not to say at this point because there's so much. Like, I, I go into things, and then the guy tells me, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't really want that out. And the documentary's been going great. We just did another uh, concert last year. We did another one in D.C., a big couple days. I went down and old stomping grounds, all the old towns, my house, uh, places where I grew up, just that, all that. We did a big old thing on that, and the guys, uh, Patrick that's putting this thing together. He's doing a lot now. He's right now working his ass off getting some more money together. He's put a lot of money into this. And uh, he wants to, um, you know, he's doing a lot of this, these, these, whatever you want to call them, quote unquote, you know, classic moments growing up. He's, he's animating this stuff to cartoon. To, so that when you see him, you don't just got to imagine it in your head. He's actually recreating this stuff. And what I really love about this, that's what's making it really cool with me and I'm enjoying this. He's turned it more into a movie than a documentary. It's almost like he's like, well, he wants to see other things. Like, you know, we talk about like the thing, like with my mother, things like that, losing my, my dad really young and stuff. So he's trying, he's really going into detail. And it's like, we need him talk. And he's done so many interviews and so much time and literally personal stuff that he's, he, 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 he we're talking about like me. I lived there when I was, when I was a kid when my dad died. And he went there to the call more and met the people and stuff and got the arrangements of the apartments and, just things for the animation and just this whole thing. So it's going to be neat when it, when it happens. I mean, he's been doing this for five plus years now. And people right. are like, isn't it It's like, he's not just throwing a camera in somebody's face and saying, hey, okay, let's talk about whatever. He's making it detailed and he's, he's done so many interviews and he's done so much stuff for this thing with other people and just people in my life and things. It's, I mean, it's really special. 
and I really appreciate what he's done. I mean, I, you know, I think I told you last time, I, you know, hey, you want to make a movie on my life? That's fucking hilarious to me. And he's like, dude, you've done a lot for the scene, and, you know, and you got a interesting this and that. And I was like, yeah, I appreciate it, but I, I care about my life. Do you want to, people want to go to a theater and fucking see this or whatever the hell it ends up? He's like, yeah, he goes, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make it interesting. It's not going to be like some of these, I'm sure you, you know, you both have seen, you know, everybody's fucking seen all these, you know, bad documentaries. You are just not what they should be documentaries. You, you know, you see some of them and they're just like, like that's it. You know, there's more to a story, you know, and I don't want it to be like cut short. That's how I felt when I did the book. I didn't want it to be like, it's not all there, but I also didn't want it to be one thing. You know, when I did the book, I was like, yeah, man, remember you told me these stories about these four chicks? You, yeah, you had these four chicks. And, you, you know, where's the four chicks story? It's just really, really hard about this one thing. I'm like, dude, this is my life. This is like my mother's death, my, you know, my fucking father's death, my mother's death. This is my son being born. This is me coming off the world. This is me getting it. No, it's more than just, you know, I got the force of you know? That's uh, what I did to me. I want it to be, I, I, to me, I, I like the all A to Z, you know, I don't want just pieces here and there and just what you expect in these movies. I don't want to be like, oh, maybe what you probably fucking fought Man of War or tried to fight Man of War and that's like the 20 minutes. Come on, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but it is, I mean, I still think it's about a, I still think it's about a year and a half out now. He was trying to finish it by early next year, but I think he can off this whole fucking year. Yeah. Mm. Uh. Yeah, with all the stories I see you put on Facebook, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a really good documentary or movie or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a creative guy. He's a cool guy. He's really, you know, he's, he's all in on this thing, and I'm going to give it everything I do with my all, so hopefully that works out. Yeah. It will. It will. It's just a matter of when. I mean, I told him, when it's done, it's done. Don't, you know, don't rush it to rush Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Can't rush greatness, right? Oh yeah, well, or something close to it. <laughs> very, <laughs> very far from it. One of the no, it's been fun. It's been cool things that have happened, like going downtown, seeing old people being in the Washington Post, and all these people coming out, like old school chums from elementary school. I'm like, holy shit, I haven't seen you. You know, and just that kind of shit, and old time, you know, old players in the band, like Doug, the original guitar player, came out. His band uh, opened the show last summer, and you know, things like that. Just you know, you get lucky. Like, it wasn't part of it, you know. It's just like it brings people out, you know. Yeah. I'm sure you guys listen to me called the Mercy Syndrome, and I'll explain. You're going to get a little more. They're like retired. They don't know whether your old show buddies are going to most of all things or Slayer plays. There they are. Like they'll come out for the biggest of shows and you can give them to a small show and like just hang out for the night. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. We, that's, that's, real, that's real big where like when we were growing up, we're like, yeah, you can see that motherfucker. He ain't coming out of the house. He ain't going to come see whatever. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, you know what? Your your phone's getting muddy again. Is it? Yeah, a little bit. Any better? Let me let me let me see if I let me try something here real quick. This is what I did with the guy. Well don't try show in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the bathtub the whole time. Should we start over? <laughs> <laughs> the rubber duck that he wants to wash around. <laughs> hey, does it does it sound better now? Because I got it on speaker. Yeah, actually, yeah, a little better. All right. All right, so what I was talking to you about uh, the other day, wanted you to come on the show and uh, talk about <laughs> tape trading. Real nice, Nate. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting on that for a good, like, ten minutes. It sounds like. <laughs> I wasn't going to But it was a dying fetus demo. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you want to talk about tape trading. I got gotcha. you. 
talk about tape trading because I, I, you know, you you've been in the music for you know forever. So, you know, I wanted to hear your stories. But actually, somebody actually gave me the idea on Twitter. So I thought it would have been a really cool idea to find some people to you know talk about this stuff. And I knew you would be like a really good one to talk about it. So ain't Twitter great? Right. Yeah. So what we, what got you started? We go into the, it now. What, what do you want to do? You want to go in, when we start yapping? You start yapping. What got you into tape trading? What started you into tape trading? Well, I, I'm going to backtrack it a little bit more. Basically, so, you know, growing up with all the rock records, which were the hard rock records, Kiss, Ted Nugent, ACDC, that kind of stuff, Heart, it got me to the underground metal eventually because I go buy records. Now, when I go to these stores and buy these records, it became Metal Massacre and Demon Flight and Bitch and things like that. And I was like, man, this is fucking cool. And these are bands that aren't just your typical Kiss and Aerosmith stuff. So I got into deeper stuff. And then I get, then I started finding these fanzines. First, it was Kerrang! magazine, which was out of uh, Britain. And I'd get those, and I'd love those. But then it became like these, I'd find these weird fanzines in the store, like Headbanger or Sledgehammer Press. And I'd see all these bands, and they're like, you got to get a hold of these demo tapes. So then a friend of mine said, you know, look at some of these magazines. In the back, they have these things called pen bangers. And it was like in Metal Forces was one of the magazines, which, again, was an overseas British one. And you see this stuff. And I was like, well, what, you know, what is this? And they were like, it's just bands that don't have records out. And it's their, you know, their music on these tapes. And they sell them. And so I came across this place in California at, at, at the time. It was called the Record Exchange. And the Record Exchange basically was a was a record store out there but they sold demos and the first demo tape i ever bought was a band called havoc and i and when they sent me their little newspaper newsletter it said havoc heavy metal like iron maiden and saxon and i was like oh fuck so i bought this for five bucks and that was my first demo but i was like shit i can't afford to buy all this stuff five bucks was a lot of money then when i was like you're talking probably 14 15 years old and um so I had some, I had, went to, went to local concerts and things. And I had some friends that were like, yeah, if you ever want to tape trade. And I'm like, what do you mean trade tapes? I was like, well, I don't have any tapes. And they're like, well, I also sell. And I'm going to use the example of my buddy, Jim Powell. And Jim Powell's a uh, famous guy because of the, um, the uh, heavy metal parking lot DVD, which he's the one that does the uh, 40 minute bonus stuff in his basement. Well, he was a guy that's about three or four years older than me. And he had this huge fucking list. And, he sent it to me. He's like, yeah, man, like seven bucks. You can fill up a 90 minute tape, you know, good quality tape of anything you want. You can just pick the stuff until you mat- matches up to 90 minutes of music. And if I ever have extra time, I throw extra stuff on blah, blah, blah. So I sent it. I remember this. I sent him $35 and the first ones I ever got was a live tape from Slayer where they were introducing new material past haunting the chapel, which was at the time, Ooh. I think they were playing, they were playing necrophiliac and things like that. And I got a live overkill tape, which was 90 minutes of them. So it was, it was bands I knew, but it was live tapes. And then, then I said, well, let me grab some bands. And he would always like describe them. And it was one band called Iron Angel, which went on to you know, put out albums, but they were called Iron Angel. And, it was, and he said, you know, this demo, if you like Slayer, this is Germany, Germany's answer to Slayer. So I got that tape. And then I, all this stuff came to my house. And I had all this stuff, and I just started listening. And I was like, man, these fucking bands are great. Now, I understand why they don't have rec- records out, and the production's bad for some because, you know, they don't have any money. But it was just, it got me there. And so I started doing a lot of, as much as I could, in trying to obtain more tapes. And one of the first tapes I actually ever got was Possessed. And how I got that again was back to the record exchange. The guy said, hey, man, you, you always buy this crazy stuff. You're always buying Hellhammer and Voivod and, 
at the, do the stuff of that time, Gravedigger and stuff like that. And he said, Let me, I'm going to send you a tape of this band called Possess. He's like, they're like a faster slayer. And I, at the time, I was like, holy shit, faster slayer. So he sent me that. And the, so I had the original Possess demos and high racks and things like that. And then from there, I just started trading with people little by little. And I always wanted to get as much as I could. So in return, I could get back as much as I could. And I was doing like massive, and I mean fucking massive tape trading with people. It got going. I started writing people in, that were uh, that ordered our deceased demos, The Evil Side of Religion, in 86. And from there, it, I literally around the world. And I was just made my list up, how long it was, the quality. And you learned how to do things. There's so many side things to this. I mean, you could talk about like when you mailed the tapes, people used to soak their stamps. And so basically when they fucking, when they smashed that, that black bar over top of those stamps, the people would take them, cut them off the envelope, go wipe that ink right off because the soap would erase that ink. They'd send the stamps back to you. And so we kept doing, that was like an America thing where you could send them to California. They'd clean the stamps, send them back, and then they'd soap them again. You could just use the same, you know, four stamps repeatedly. So these are like some of the inside things I was telling, I was telling a person at the post office like 10 years ago, this, and they were laughing. They were like, that's so ingenious and blah, blah, blah. They were just laughing about it because it's so far removed now. But, and, and then you get all these fucking tapes and you just, I mean, I was turned on to so much music, whether, I mean, Napalm Death, I was the first guy to have Napalm Death music in the United States, according to, to, uh, Mick Harris. I mean, he told me back then, dude, you're the first guy I ever sent a shirt to in America. You're the first one I sent demo tapes to and things like that. And we became great friends. And, then, you know, you got your grindcore stuff from over there. You got your death metal stuff, the early stuff, stuff coming from Brazil and stuff like the Mutilator and Chekhal and bands like that, Sarcophago. And then you got stuff from, you know, Canada, like Aggression or Soothsayer or, of course, Voivod or sacrifice things like that and it just it just started rolling dude and you fell in love with this stuff because these bands were so genuine because they, you know they, they they needed to take the time to do all this shit on their own there wasn't no middleman there wasn't no money in the shit you know and that was that was the earliest of days of tape trading and then people tried to like start like upping the ante with like you know full color layout demos and you know professionally printed demo tapes and stuff it was no longer just Here's our here's our music on a TDK, you know what I'm saying? It was more right. to it than that. Yeah. But that that time, you know, that for me, that was like around it was basically like eighty late eighty three till about probably eighty shit. I would say till like ninety for me doing that yeah. stuff about that seven year run and stuff. I mean, all the way up to like when an earache really got popular. I remember fucking uh, Nikki from Entomb. They were still nihilist at the time, and him send me a demo going, "Hey King, we changed our name to Entomb, and we got an album coming out on earache." So. It was about a seven-year run for me, and, dude, I, I love that time. I love it. Casbah from Japan was one of my favorites. I still love that Iron Angel demo that Jim gave me was one of my favorites. The first Sacrifice demo. Of course, the Morgoth Invasion Voivod's a classic. Atrocity from Connecticut. That was one of my all-time favorite demo tapes. Just so much we could go into the music. But it was fun because you always got yourself. Now, there was always some bullshitters, too. You'd send somebody, and they'd always want to be like, hey, send me your tapes first. And then I'll send you mine. And you could get ripped off very easily with that. But once you establish yourself and things, you know, it's not like today where you can instantly call somebody a rip off and things like that. Back then, it was word of mouth. And you had to put that pen to paper and write those song titles out on those paper and fucking send them off and, you know, wait to, up to two weeks sometimes for your shit. But I'd always try to do like five tapes at a time or something like that. And people were like, holy shit, this dude's a big time trader. I knew guys that had lists. Shit. Some of those guys like, Laurent from France or Jim Powell, they had like 
like fucking hundred page fucking demo tapes. And I'm not talking like typed out lists, you know, of all that Jeez. shit. Wow. And the same shit was happening with, with the same shit was happening with videotaping too. I mean, it was like another thing. Like you would be like, Oh my God, this guy just sent me the Voivod video of Voivod, you know? And that was one of the earliest tapes. I remember that somebody sent me like bitch, be my slave and Voivod Voivod on the same tape. And I had a buddy, Mike Pritchard who, uh, had all that stuff. And that was cool too. Cause these are bands you thought you'd never see. And some we have never seen. You'd get like acid footage from Belgium or, you know, rock goddess or any of that shit. It, it just was so fucking cool, man. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you about the video thing. Cause I was doing video training for a while. You know, Pat, right? Hellwitch. I know Pat, Pat was big on it. Did you ever know a guy down there? I don't know if you're too young for this, but do you ever know a guy named Mike Shields? Yeah, no, I don't, but I'm older than you King. Oh, are you? I thought you were younger than me. Well, you look you look good then. <laughs> How old are you? I'm fifty five. Nineteen sixty five. Okay. Okay. Well, then but, well, you're uh, holding up well then. You're yeah, holding me, up well. Me and me and Pat used to do like those two cam mix. He would hide in the back. I'd be like in the crowd, and we'd make those two cam mixes and shit. Uh, back in the day, uh, yeah, you know? and, Pat, Pat always had some cool. Pat had some cool video footage, but the guy that had the most was a guy down down. I think it was Jacksonville, Florida, and I know Pat would remember. I'm asking when you talk to him next. His name was Mike Shields. This guy had it all. This guy had every fucking thing you could ever want. Yeah, I guess Pat probably knew him because he went to college up in Gainesville, so he probably was like, yeah. you know, oh, oh yeah, Pat, Pat knew. Him. We used to talk. We used to talk about Mike Shields because Mike Shields also worked at the post office. But uh, just great times, you know, for that stuff. I mean, we get so much video trading. And I still got a lot of my videotapes. I mean, I don't even know if they still work. I mean, a lot of them are in boxes and stuff. But we're also going to hear fucking pentagram, watch pentagram from Chile or watch sarcophago concerts or whatever. Just, you know, it's just shit you never think you'd see in a million years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I was, I did a little bit of tape trading audio uh, in the 80s like you. Around the uh, mid '80s, that's how I discovered uh, Thunderfire, actually, from that. Oh yeah, and, uh, great demo. Yeah, yeah, I ended up finding the vinyl, but I had to wait till the internet for that because it was impossible to find it anywhere. And I finally yeah. found it, like hey, a really good copy of it. And man, I love that album. That when I saw you do that post, I was like, oh man, I hope you do get to release it. And I do I hope to get it out. I yeah, I know, dude. A lot of people don't even know who that is. I yeah, I know. They're very, very obscure. You know, I just heard them through a tape trade, but there that's a great album, man. It just came and went, man. Only one record made, and uh, that's why yeah, I was like, done. Psyched. Uh, I was psyched. I was like, man, hopefully that, that guy will come out of his drunken stupor and work with you, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. He, I don't know what happened to him. I wish he would. They had a, they had a pre-album 7-inch, too, I have. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Different songs? Were they different uh, yeah, songs? um... Yeah, I think it's one uh, one different one different definitely different recordings too. I'll send you a picture of it when I'm up that way when I'm when I'm up my records again. I'll send you a picture of it. Right on, yeah. I like I like to see that. Well, that that's interesting, yeah. Because Pat and me, uh, we did a lot of a, uh, and I was like very much involved in the in the videotape trading. One, you know, yeah, the that's, that's, yeah, that's cool. Like like with demo tape trading, just to add this to it was you had to do a lot of trading more than buying because if you wanted to buy like say like Tormentor, which was pre-creator, their demo overseas, by the time you got, I mean, first off, we were just kids. We didn't know how, a lot of people didn't know how the postage really worked back then. And you're trying to go to Germany and get a fucking tape and do like, you know, massive 
what the postage was high. Like you're probably back then it was probably like six dollars to get a tape mailed to you from over there and, and probably pay six for it. So you're into a twelve bucks. You couldn't just keep doing that. You couldn't be buying all this shit, Sodom and you know just shit. So you'd just get these dudes into a trade that had it over in Germany. You'd turn them on to all the U.S. shit. You'd be like, hey man, you heard fucking whatever, you know, Savage Thrust or just something from from the area, Phantom Warrior, things like that. And they'd be like, no, nah, no, nah. and they'd say, hey, well here, here's fucking Iron Angel, blah 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 blah. And that's how it worked. That was the best way to do it. You could get ninety minutes of new music times five tapes. 450 minutes of fucking, you know, underground metal at the time. That's all you could ask for, dude. And I've got some classic tapes still that I haven't seen on a lot of tape traders lists and everything. I mean, hell, I got the only Asset Live sound uh, soundboard I think there ever was. And that's the one that came out on Maniacal Records when they did that Asset Live record. And I got it from Asset Soundman. Asset didn't even have it. I talked to Kate when they did it. She's like, you're the only one that's ever had it. We don't have any live Asset tapes. And I was like, yeah. So, you know, some people got that stuff. You know, it's they snuck it. Like you said, when you would do your camera work, some people snuck it. I know I used to go to shows like, for example, we played the Day of Death in 90. I, I fucking soundboarded the fucking autopsy set. I had the, the master cassette of that. You know, from the tape, you know, he did it right into the tape from the soundboard here. That's mine. So when people put out that bootleg, I think it was a record from there. Fucking that's my tape. It got out some, you know, I've traded to people and it got out. But then you're like, if I didn't do that, there would be no such thing. And that's what people were doing. Wow. And so you obviously have the better version because you sent a copy of it. I got the master old TDK on it in a, on, in a little uh, cassette uh, clamshell. I think I might have disharmonic orchestra from there too. I have a couple bands. I used to do it. I, I would, I would, my thing was when deceased would play, if they had a tape deck in that place, I'd always say, look, record us, throw a soundboard in just so I could, I used to, I, I still do this. I, you know, I fucking go back and review the tapes, you know, just to see how we can get better. You know, you're always trying to get better things like that. But fucking, I, I do, I got so many tapes like that. And I could, like anything else, you get a hold of stuff. Nobody else has. They all of a sudden they're like, yeah, yeah, anything you want off my list, I'll even give you two or three tapes so I can get a copy of that. You know, things that aren't, you know, it's like anything else. You get a hundred, you go to somebody's list and everybody had the typical stuff like Metallica demo and things like that. But when you start going into these, these obscure bands and stuff, which is what I was looking for, I wanted something off the beaten path. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we actually and had, that, um, right, go uh, ahead. Well, I just wanted yeah. to say that you signed, uh, a really killer local band down here called Premonition. Um, oh, of course, you know, you know that. I mean, you know that story. Uh, Tattoo Frank, right? Well, no, remind me of that story. Well, Tattoo, Tattoo Frank sent me a four-page letter. I love the seats, man. Whatever money I can send you, blah 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 blah. And then he, you know, he got in touch. He told me how he got. He was used to be a drug addict and all this shit, like me. And we got clean and shit. We became the best of friends. And then he was just sending all this material, and I'm like. Dude, I gotta put this out. I love it. You know, it's not it's not from the day, but it sounds like the day. And that was the first. I only did I only did two old bands, uh, newer bands on my label. That and the Vermifuge, which was Danza, who played in Deceased for a while, and that was more of a thrashy thing. But I didn't do a lot of of new material. You know, newer bands on there. Premonition kicks ass. I mean, you know, Tattoo Frank's a classic. I mean, you know that. Oh yeah, yeah. They uh, they would have pyro in little clubs. I mean. I mean, big ass pyro. This is pretty great white, and uh, oh, oh yeah. I mean, dude, that dude, that dude's a hell of a front man and singer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you released uh, "We Are Metal." Was there anything else you released from them? I did "We Are Metal," and I did um, "Fame Is a Price." 
No, I didn't do I didn't do another record with them. But Mike Mike Pritchard with Maniacal put out a best of premonition, some songs yeah. from all their records on vinyl. That uh-huh. was it. But I know Yeah, Tattoo Frank just wanted to do his own little independence from there again. And we played many shows. I brought them up to DC a couple times, man. I have a bootleg of it, actually, of it was uh, a video. Good times, man. I took those guys real quick. I took those guys to a fucking Italian restaurant. It was a Greek restaurant, Italian Greek or something like that. And they had the world's best baked spaghetti. I took all of them. They're like, we got to go eat this fucking spaghetti, man, for the show. I'm like, you don't want to eat it before the show, dude. It's heavy as fuck. They're like, no, nah, no, nah, let's go eat it before the show. So we went there and it came in front of it. And I was like, dude, this is like four people worth of food. And I was like, you got to eat it all if you sit down, though. So they attempted to do it and shit, and they couldn't do it. And then we had to go to the club, and they, they all had to go back to the hotel and shit their guts out, man. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, what was the, I can't remember his name right now. What was the one guitar player in that band? Adam Armageddon? Yeah. Adam. Yeah, Adam. That motherfucker, he shit his guts out. <laughs> he almost didn't make the gig. Wow. And rest in peace. Good guy. Gorilla, great man. band. Yeah, exactly. That's how those bands got around, though. That's how you heard them, you know? He had another band, too, and I think he was in Chicago, called Alter. I don't know if you ever heard that. That was I good, too. It. Yeah, I have the Alter demo. Four he songs. hooked me up with that. Yeah, yeah I stuff. think it's four, two songs each side or something like that. Yeah, I got I got a CD of it. Well, maybe I think it may be a, a CDR. Now I think yeah, he probably put it on CDR. Yeah, yeah. Tattoo Frank's been calling me. I got to catch up with him. He's like, yeah, man, I got a new phone number. Call me and stuff. But he keeps forgetting to leave his number, and then I get all these other numbers. I'm like, I don't know which one of these is Frank. But I'll tell him he said what's up when I talk to him, unless you still talk to him. No, uh, we had a phone on out, so don't mention me. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, okay, still- well, there you go. <laughs> I still respect him, and I thought he was a hell of a front man. So I have nothing bad to say about him, but, yeah, he probably has something bad no, to say I get it. Frank, Frank, Frank's a very opinionated guy. I get you. <laughs> yeah, and we had, yeah, opinionated, and, and well, I ain't going to get into it. But sure. I, sure. All I can but, yeah, good, 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 good band. Yeah, they, they were a great band, and uh, I love their last release. Uh, you ever heard Prozac and Razorblades? Yeah. That's I like that one. Favorite. I still, I still, I still think the, the he is rising. The first one's the best one, though. Oh yeah, he is rising. That's right. Princess of Darkness. And... <laughs> I love that. Sitting, listening to the wind blow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, Wayne. You want to talk to today's your show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is this is exactly what I want to hear. But. Uh... Yeah, it's cool. What's like some of the most notable bands that you you found? Are they still? Are some of them still around today? I mean, obviously we know. I mean, I mean, you could, I, mean I mean, Overkill. You could go down the line. I mean, the classic Power and Black demo from Overkill, Voivod, Morgoth, Invasion. Um, some you know, just some of the bigger. I mean, just all those bands. Everybody knows those demos. Some of the like ones I mentioned a little while ago. Some of the coolest ones were the more lesser knowns. If you know, if I had to do a top ten list. I think I still think probably my all-time favorite demo was that fucking Iron Angel demo. I love that fucking uh, demo. It's so fucking good. That I love the Sacrifice demo, which I think I love Torment and Fire album. But I think the demo is more insane. I love Mutilator from Brazil's demo. That that fucking heavy intro that they dropped from the song Mutilator on the Immortal Force album. That was a bad idea on their part. And of course, Morgoth Invasion, Atrocity from Connecticut. That fucking uh, uh, that fucking Ravage demo, man. That fucking thing. Oof. There's a lot of them, man. I mean, and you know, and I, you know, like you, like like I said, you know, Metallica, Overkill, 
you can just go down the lines, you know, the Slayer tapes and all that kind of shit, too. Some were just Demo 83. They didn't really have names to them, and other ones were classic names like Power and Black. And, you know, I actually prefer the Hyrax 84 demo when they were more like a Saxony kind of heavy metal band. And, and I do love their speed, Raging Violence, and, uh, and the uh, Hate, Fear, and Power EP, but I still think that's their best material. Oh, really? Yeah, he just released that on Viral. I was going to pick that up. Dude, that those those born in the streets, born to fight. That's my favorite shit by them, man. Well, I you ever heard about uploading some of this? Stuff? I agree. You agree? Yes. Yeah, that's, Greg that's Greg. King. It's Greg. I'm late. Hey, Greg, good to hear from you. <laughs> it's all right, man. You shouldn't have to ride a bus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, it's good. To, it's good to hear you, though, brother. Good. Yeah, dude. I'm glad you agree. That's good. That's a great date. Yeah. Born in the streets, born to fight. Yeah, Fuck yeah. And Nate, you got a question? What? You ever think of uploading some of these tapes and like demo or like bootleg videos to YouTube or some shit? I I would you know some of the stuff that hasn't surfaced on YouTube because somebody's going on there and probably have better copies of some of it than I do now. But a lot of the audio stuff, I do have a lot of crazy shit still that people don't have. And I don't know, like, for example, people ask me all the time, I have a 90-minute piggy from Voivod's solo thing he gave me. And he asked me to really not give it out too much, and, you know, but since he passed away, and some people are like, oh, I want to hear that. And these guys are like diehard Voivod freaks too and things like that. And I'm like, well, I kind of, you know, do I, do I let other people hear this? Do I keep it to myself? And I've well, let a couple people hear it and have it. That makes sense. I just love watching old bootlegs on online. Oh, yeah. I don't blame you, man. Me, too. I mean, YouTube is my favorite channel on the entire internet. I mean, that's where I'm at all the time. That's right. where you find all the fun stuff. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of rare shit you can find on YouTube that people like you just, like, track to digital and upload. Absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, if you know where to go and you can just, if you can get yourself in a good rabbit hole, just going deeper and deeper on that shit. Because some people have the material, but they don't know how to label it. You can't find it. Right. And one day you'd be like, like, I found the C stuff that I didn't even know was on there where it just says like, it'll say something like false church 88. Never doesn't even say deceased on it or anything like that. And I'll be like, man, this guy filmed us at a party when we first started out, you know, so they have to label it right. But I mean, a lot of stuff will surface. Wow. Oh, yeah. cool. Now, when you used to make up the tapes, did you like get elaborate with like uh, pictures and stuff like that, or you just wrote on there and like the bands and the uh, you know? Man, dude, I was doing it so quick. I was just I have bad handwriting to begin with. I was yeah. just fucking flying through there, giving them the titles and stuff. <laughs> I used to make my own tapes. I, my compilation tapes used to be fun. I'd take demo songs and put them together, and I'd make these fake covers, and it'd be just to just to fucking you know entertain myself. I had one, it was a fake Kerrang cover, and it had a picture of, J I, I've never been a Metallica guy ever, and it had James Hetfield on there, and I put in the corner, like, contest, win James Hetfield's ego, and, you know, just <laughs> stupid shit like that, or I do, like, a 90-minute Y&T Live, my favorite tracks on bootlegs, it would be called Menachetti Spaghetti, you know, or something like that. <laughs> I would entertain myself, but when it came to trading out, I would just try to get in their tapes, and I would usually not even write on the cassette uh, covers, because... Some people didn't want you to because they wanted to take it right in their their shit so they could read it. So I'd usually just take notebook paper and write it out, and they'd get it and then add it to their fucking uh, their sleeve. Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen pictures where people they got like really really elaborate with like the pictures they would put on the cassettes and how they were writing the band names and everything. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, hell yeah. I mean, people that show that shit on Facebook now, their collection, you know, their cassette holders, and you see how they draw out the logos perfect and all that yeah. shit. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, and that, that, that's cool. That, that was, that was part of it, man. I mean, that's your, that's your fucking, it's all of our fucking growing up years. I mean, it's, it's, it's very close to our heart. And I mean, and now I know most of us are all of us on here are older guys and stuff. We're not tape trading every day and shit, but it's never going to go far from our hearts, you know? Yeah. yeah. The only tape trade I ever did was, uh, when I started a band, the guy that was the singer at the time, he used to make me mix tapes of all these different like European uh, power metal bands. Cause I was big into power metal at the time. But uh, he would always make me mixtapes, and they, they, that was the coolest thing. I would listen to him on my way to practice, on the way home, and get to find all these new bands I never heard of before. It was it was cool times, you know. And yeah. like you said before, you used to get like a ninety minute tape, and then put all these different bands on it. I mean, that was the best. I mean, you can't do that now. It's, I mean, you can't. Yeah, you get and you get to sample some shit too. You wouldn't get you wouldn't get trapped into buying stuff because you know money was tight back then. If I went and bought like if I spent my fifteen dollars for the week on a record, and I went home and like this fucking sucks. You're fucked till the next fifteen dollars comes through from mama or mowing the grass or whatever the fuck you had to do to get it, and fucking you were fucked. But if you could hear a couple tunes, you know, and you go buy it, and you're like, oh, shit, I know what this sounds like. I heard two tunes. Now let me hear the other eight, and then you're fucking you're loving it. And that's one thing that was cool, like you're saying about your mixtapes from Europe. Like I got like some of those power metal bands of the of the nineties. That some of that stuff was decent, you know, maiden kind of shit. And some of it was just like, didn't do nothing for me. Like, I couldn't get into stuff like Nightwish and shit like that. So people would take me these CDRs, which became the next tape trading thing, the CDR thing. And I'd be like, nah, I don't need to hear any more of this. That's not my thing. I can move on. Then you'd hear something, you know, whatever. Like, I think one of the ones I really got into was X Wild, which was some of the guys from Running Wild. And I was like, oh, I want the rest of this. This shit's killer. You know, so that, that, that helped a lot, too, because you didn't want to go be spending no 22 fucking dollars on some import fucking CD and go, eh, that song I heard on the sampler was the only one I liked, you know? Right, yeah. Any Stradivarius demos? I might have a live tape or two. I like, I, I love I, I, Fourth Dimension. That's the only one I like by them. Really? That's, dude, I think that one's really good. It's it's very Queensryche-ish, but it's, mm-hmm. yep. I, I really like that one. I don't, I don't dislike... They got a, they got a little too symphonic for me after that, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that back I can handle. But that, that's the only one I really like. And I got that from a guy Noise Records sent me that as a promo to review in my magazine. Uh, my buddy Ray over there, and he uh, hooked me up, and I was like, "Dude, this shit's killer." Wow, that's cool. Awesome. Did you get into after like the cassette uh, trading died down? I mean, was there like a CD trading thing? I, I don't even know. Did you even get into that? There was, there was, but by then I was doing deceased all the time and stuff. My time was limited to that kind of shit. We were playing shows and we were trying to do our thing. Yeah, that that really hit early nineties. Like yeah. I would say, yeah, like I mean, the first one CDs came out, you know, in the later eighties. It was it, it was just too expensive and it, to people burn that shit, you know. And really, when the internet kind of took off, or you know, some people had their CD burners. I know I bought a CD burner in ninety seven. Cost me eleven hundred fucking dollars. Oh. When I started my um, old metal records, when I did my old metal records, I bought an $1,100 Marantz one, and that's how I started mastering all my shit when I started putting out old bands on CD for my old metal records. I'd get that stuff in there and fuck with it, but I mean, then it became CD burners. You'd get them for like fifty nine ninety five, you know, over time. Yeah. Well, it was worth the money, King, because that Jade album still sounds fucking awesome. I still have that. <laughs> I do love me some Jade. I love Marie. God, Marie's classic. I love her. She's a classic. That, yeah, that, that came to me very easily. I just talked to her there, and I was like, hey, you know, if we want to talk about old metal for a minute, like, 
all those all those releases, man, it either really worked or it didn't. It was so you, you learned a lot, man. It turned me on and off to a lot of fucking people. Jade was one of the easiest bands I ever worked with. I just worked with Marie. But yeah, that was great. Then you, you, you the other side of the coin, you got bands like Laz Rocket, who just made it a fucking <laughs> yeah. living hell. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'll never forget the way you originally described that to me. Uh, it was a uh, gentleman's agreement. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking dude just fucking was. Dude, we, we put him out. We had we had Victor the drummer. My 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 partner went and played chess with him. He he had become a doctor at Johns Hopkins in Maryland, and he went and played chess with him. And the guy said, "Yeah, put them all out, man. You got my permission." He even signed off on one paper for for the guy. We put him out. Everything was cool. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, "Oh yeah, these last rockets are complete bootlegs." And then Victor passed away. And then, then the other guy, Phil, got in touch with me, and he was like, yeah, man, um, I'm thinking about re-releasing these. Would you want to put these back out on Old Metal and send me some copies? So I was like, yeah, that'd be fucking killer. So I went ahead and pressed it, and it was at the plant, and then he calls me out of the blue, and he's like, yeah, um, Ixnay on the fucking uh, those CD re-releases. He's like, nope, don't need them now. I'm like, well, dude, I already pressed these motherfuckers, and they're, they're, they're on their way to me in like a week. And he just gave me this bullshit fucking story. And he must have told the other guys in the band the same bullshit story. Because then I'm seeing in the interviews, they're like, well, fuck that old metal records guy. Fuck that dude, King. You know, what a piece of shit and all this. I'm like, this wasn't what we agreed to. So I fucking, and I got him. I fucking sent him his copies. Whether he took them or not, I'll never know. I haven't seen him since, you know. But I did tell one of those cats years ago on one of those uh, uh, websites. I don't know what it was. One of those fucking metal sludge or some shit. I fucking said to him, I said, dude, you run your fucking mouth pretty goddamn good from a fucking computer screen. I said, I, you know, I'm in a band. We play around. We get out West Coast. Maybe one day we'll meet up. We'll talk about this some more. I said, you got a big fucking mouth. So I was only trying to do you a fucking favor, and your own band is shitting behind your back because, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, you, you know how it goes, you know. People just say one thing and do another, but a gentleman's agreement ain't worth fuck anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's a shame. That's a bummer. I like Laws Rocket. I'm not a big fan. My my fucking partner wanted to put those out. I can I can deal with the first two. I can City's gonna burn and the uh, No Stranger to Danger. But when they became that like that choppy choppy thrash stuff, metallic ish Bay Area shit, completely, I was out. Fire in the hole, yeah, I was gone. Dude. Kind of my, yeah, that's, that's my thing. I like that. Forced to fight off the first record. That was my favorite tune they did. I, I, I can't. I can't be fucking with. I can't be fucking with Leatherface, man. Since you're the, since you're the king, no pun intended, of obscurity. Uh, when I was in L.A., I saw a band once that I never heard anything from them since, or I never really seen a release. Uh, they were called Stone Soldier. You ever heard of them? Stone Soldier? They were from L.A. I haven't. Oh, Never heard of that in my life. I know Stone Vengeance, but not Stone Soldier. Yeah, Stone Soldier. I don't even think they released anything. I was just curious if you were, if you know of anything. Because I saw them at the country club, and they were great. But I don't There's think a lot of those great. bands, man. There's a lot of those bands. That's why I always wanted to go those obscure route with those demo tapes. That's where all the cool shit was. We had a band. Um, this goes back 20 years now. There was a club in D.C., well, Virginia, called The Cave. And the guy did a battle of the bands. And he called all these bands out, and he called me up. He said, hey, look, man, Deceased is one of the most popular bands in the area. Would you come out and judge the Battle of the Bands? And I said, sure. So I went out there, and he gave me all the hot dogs and fucking soda pop I could eat, whatever, some bullshit. I sat down, and I watched this band called Crystal Meth play. 
And these guys were very much like Metallica, but they were very good at what they did. And I was like, I'd heard of them, but never seen them. And I was like, they, they, they're, they're, they're fucking, the, they're, they're good. They're probably going to win this thing because a lot of the first couple bands were pretty bad. Then all of a sudden, out of left field, here comes this band called Requiem. Never heard of them. No idea. They were fucking, they were the next town over from me. These guys came out, and I give you my word, these motherfuckers were as tight and as professional as Rage for Order era Queensryche. And they blew my face off, and I thought they were better than Crystal Math. Unfortunately, the other two judges went with Math. Are they, are they to want it? But yeah, that's like, you never, and I never heard that band since. They gave me a demo tape. Never went on to do shit. I look for it on YouTube all the time because my demo tape got eaten in the car many years ago. Nobody talks about them. I got a couple friends that remember them sort of in my area, but it, there's one in every town, man. Wow. Did you? How bad did you ever get screwed? Like with uh, somebody sending you demos, and you like never got them. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember one guy got. I think one guy got me for ten tapes one time. And then I just made it. I just said, I don't do it. I was like, dude, I, you know, by that, by that time, Deceased had a name. I was in fanzines and stuff. I was like, I got some sort of, you know, backing to me and who I am and shit. To be like now to Google somebody. Back then, you get a couple of magazine interviews like, yep, oh, that's King from Deceased. And they got a band and they're, they're around and, you know, we know they're real. Then you get fucking Billy from fucking, you know, like Auburn fucking, you know, fucking wherever, and you don't ever get your fucking tapes on the fucking cat. And, you, and there's nothing you can do. You can write them back, and then they don't send them. What are you going to do, send them a mean letter? Right. And I thought about a couple of times going to these motherfuckers' houses. We did think yeah, about that. Got like, their address. <laughs> let's go to their fucking house, but we never did that. Now, Steve O'Bannon uh, uh, was one of the guys that did the uh, Seraphic Decay records. Now, that guy was pressing people's demos on vinyl, you know, behind their backs, a lot of those bands, and that still comes up a lot, that old Seraphic Decay. They were doing, like, Dirkada demos on vinyl, and they were never they were never authorized. Mortician, you know, all kinds of shit. And people went to his house a couple times looking to whoop his ass. <laughs> I can imagine. Wow. Now, a few months ago, we had uh, Patrick Scott. I don't know if you know who Patrick Scott is. He's He actually helped Metallica distribute their uh, No Life to Leather demo. Oh, yeah? No, I don't know, but really? Okay. Yeah, no, that was cool. So I, I, you, you don't like Metallica. You didn't like No Life to Leather. I mean, that's like, you know, dude. When I'm gonna tell you this, before I heard the demo, I heard the Metal Massacre track, and I was like, eh, it's okay. I thought I, I still stand by this. I thought it was too boogie woogie. It didn't sound now. Okay, let's mind you. I'd already heard Venom. Mind you, I'd already heard MDC. I'd already heard fucking Motorhead. All that stuff. So when I heard hit the lights. I was like, shit, fucking Venom destroys this for fucking raunchy and fast. But I just thought it was like, it just sounded to me like Ted Nugent. It was like, I didn't like the way they picked the guitars. I, I thought the drumming stunk. The vocals were lousy. I thought the leads were stupid. And I didn't even like uh, the song I heard set the stage alight from fucking Weapon, which I still say they stole it from. If they don't say it, then I think they did. I'd actually heard that on a fucking New Wave sampler a guy got me. And um, and I just it just didn't do it for me. You know, I got to know Life to Leather, and I never really played it because it always, my copy always sounded like it was playing fast. Like it was like yeah. speeded up. Like, yep. And I mean that like, like, like a 78 sound. speed kind of shit. Yeah. If you ever heard and then I got to kill them all. I got the Kill Em All album, and I just, it didn't do it for me either, man. I had that thing, I bought it the same day I bought All For One from Raven, and the guy said, man, Metallica's got their album out, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember their demos, and I looked at it, and I said, yeah, it looks like it might be pretty good, and I took it home, and I played it, and I was like, 
eh, it just didn't kick my ass. It sat in my collection for about two weeks. Then my buddy Marcel came over, and I know Ralph knows him from Paramore down there in Florida. He did a little time in Atheist. Marcel came over and gave me a live Evil Painter hat, and I gave him the Kill 'Em All fucking record. And that was the that's the only Metallica I ever had in my collection, man. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, not uh, for me. You know, Sweet Savage, right? The New Wave of Bridge. Absolutely. That that those vocals, you can tell James totally borrowed from it. If you listen to early James, oh, I hear that too for sure. I he was totally yeah. He was totally doing that New Wave of British heavy metal styling in general, and I'm sure Lars was pushing him towards Diamond Head, you know. Right, yeah, the yeah. whole the whole band has always sounded to me, even from the early days, because I heard Sweet Savage and the New Wave of British heavy metal first. It just sounded like that, but sped up. Oh it, it, yeah, it, I get it just to... wasn't very interesting. <laughs> I mean, Dave's... Like, I mean, people fell in love with it I, to this day. I mean, I've always been this guy. I, people fell in love with Metallica. It's a lot of people's gateway drug into metal for the heavier stuff, and I get it. And to each their own and love your memories, I don't want to take that from nobody. But honestly, it just never did it for me. When Ride the Lightning came out, I thought it was goofy. I, I, I call it tender. I thought it was tender. <laughs> really? People were like, that's the heaviest fucking record ever. What are you fucking talking about, King Valley? What the fuck? And I was like, I don't know. I was listening to the Warhead fucking EP from Venom instead of... That's where I was. I was in the in the sign of evil from Sodom, you know. But I still loved. But I still loved my my Sabbath. Like you know, we were at that time. We were getting into Sabbath was doing their thing, almost to seven star. Like I was still loving my melodic rock and things like that too. I was really heavy into Queensrÿche and Fate's Warning too. But it just it, it it was that era where everybody wanted to play the fastest and things. And Metallica was already saying we're going to go past that, as you all know. I still think the best they ever were was when they don't play fast. I think when they play fast, it sounds funny. And I think it's, it's just, I don't know. I just always thought they sounded better. I think something like Creeping Death is something better for them. And I still think their best tune is, is one is still their best song. I still think that. Wow. That's shocking. Wow. You made, wow, you made Nate cry. Sorry, my, Nate. My, <laughs> favorite, my favorite talk is a slow one. It's uh, Orion. That, that, I really love that one. I'm a fade to black yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, fade the fade the black fade the black i always called training bra metal because <laughs> what it was what it was was we go to part dude we go to parties we go to parties me and all the mark adams all the guys from deceased we go to parties and we'd be like put that fucking hell waits fucking record on we want to hear fucking necrophiliac kill again right now fuck that and the girls would go but it gives us a headache we don't like that Play that Metallica Fade the Black song. It doesn't give us a headache. And it would come on and be like, Life to see is a slip away, whatever the fuck he thinks. And I'm like, this fucking sounds like Liberace. Sounds like Liberace. It's not the first half of the song that does it for me. It's that fun out now, Bodo. Yeah, I like, the second, I like the second half of the song, too, the part where it ends. <laughs> It's just not for me, man. It's just not for me. I, I always say, I do like, I will say this, I do like Metallica more than Megadeth. I cannot, I don't, nothing Megadeth ever. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Dave was saying, like, if Axl Rose didn't have 11 octaves. <laughs> I'm actually reading the Mustang book right now. I'm just, I, I read everything. I watch every horror movie in the world, good, bad, and ugly. And God, is this guy full of himself. <laughs> it's not going to beat D. Snyder's book But it's going to come close Scotty and D. Snyder so far are the most the only guys I know that like, suck their own dick in a book <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, very cool. Scott Ian shouldn't be one to talk because Anthrax got most of their stuff from Metallica. Like, I, you know, I, I mean, I know all those bands just, you know, just thing, take from each other. Right. I know the one thing that we did agree on, King, is that uh, we both agree Fistful of Metal is the best soundtrack. Yeah, they should have, they should have wrecked off a cliff after that record. Man, they should have just blown up in a fucking fire. Dude. <laughs> come on, yeah, come on, man. Ain't, ain't nobody here going to push on the man on me. I know you all ain't going to push that shit. Oh, on. no, that's, that's a terrible song. But but I, I, I really, I mean, I saw them. I saw them on Fistful of Metal. I saw them at a bar. They opened for fucking Raven, and they were fucking incredible. We met them that morning. They were nice guys. We met Scott Ian. We were talking about all the old stuff. It was Ian. They just had got Frank Bello, so Dan was out. And we met those two. We met Charlie Benate, and we and uh, Dan Spitz and uh, Neil Turbin weren't there. They were at the hotel doing their own thing, but we went and had soda with them, and they were like, yeah, man, if you guys go crazy, we'll play this new song called Gung Ho. It's the fastest song ever recorded. It's like fast as a shark on 78 speed. And they didn't even play it that night, so I was like, well, I guess we weren't fucking crazy enough for them. But they were good live. I mean, they pretty much played the whole they played the whole fistful of metal pretty much, including 18, and they did uh, Armed and Dangerous was the new song. And that showed me, I always talk about this, where that was the one where all these thrash bands, after Metallica started adding that shit to them, they all started adding that shit to them because I remember seeing Anthrax and they come out with it, you know, that acoustic, whatever, you know, the light beginning to it. I saw Whiplash. They fucking came out with a new song. It was at that light beginning. And Exodus came out and had that, that, that beginning to some new song back on Bonded by Blood Tour. I'm like, all these bands are already trying to fucking the, slow down and, and just go wimpy. I didn't understand that. I was like, why, what the fuck? We haven't even got what, one album out. Let's go with this shit. I mean, Anthrax, Fistful of Metal, what a fucking album, man. The sound is great. The vocals, I mean, the riffs, I mean, it's killer. And then they come back, and I'm next thing I'm listening to the fucking, you know, the second one, which, I mean, it's not horrible, but it's, it's, it's almost like commercial as hell. I mean, some of that Medusa, that song sounds like Loverboy, man. Yes, I fucking hate that song. Thank you. No. Now uh, I'm crying. Okay, I'll give you that one, but I still love Lone Jones. Dun, 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 whatever the hell it goes. That album, but I fucking hate Medusa. Medusa it's just weird. I remember me and Mark from the, uh, the me and Mark from the Seas bought it. Me and Mark from the Seas bought the cassette. Mark bought the cassette. We went to his house and we were playing. He goes, I remember him going like to eat dinner or something, and he comes down and, I'm, and he's like, "How is it?" I'm like, "Dude, it kind of sounds like a foreigner." <laughs> he's like, "What?" I'm like, "I don't know. It's really, it's really laid back. It just..." I, I I never liked Joey Belladonna's vocals. I thought he he people think he's a good singer. He yelps to me. He's he's very yelpy. He's like yeah. I didn't like him on the fucking Armed and Dangerous EP either. They ruined those old songs. Metal Crash and Mad. Fuck that. Well, to me, that Fistful of Metal was more like uh, maybe a little Maiden influence, but they weren't really like influenced so much by you know Metallica and stuff like that. By that time, it was more pure. To me, I think after that, yeah, I, I, exactly. I mean, I heard, I heard the stuff that they should have been influenced by. I heard the um, Saxon, I heard the Exciter, I heard the Accept in there. You know, I heard the Priest, I heard the Maiden. That's where they should have been. You know, but I don't know where they when they went left field. They didn't really go left field so much with spread the disease. It was really the fucking Among the Living, where it just had that fucking. Gah, 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 gah. I'm just like, oh, I can't stand that. They came oh. out, and, it, and it, even if they sounded good, you just couldn't even look at the motherfuckers on TV. It was just so the beat shorts and the fucking the Donald Duck fucking shit and whatever the fuck it was. I'm like, 
And then they did that fucking that the rap uh, thing, and I was, what are they trying to prove here, man? Yeah, well, uh, that Among the Living when it came stories? out, everybody was like, "How can you not like Among the Living?" I was like, "Dude, this album does nothing for me. It just was nope. such a disappointment." You know, I mean, I never, I never bought it, me. never wanted it. Nope. Not the only one I bought was Fistful of Metal. I didn't even. I bought the Armed and Dangerous EP too, but with the um, with the um, the Spread the Disease one, Mark bought the cassette, and I was just like, "Nope, I ain't buying that." I didn't like that, and and I stand by this. I don't like fucking SOD. I think that sucks. <laughs> I'm not an SOD. I'm not. A, I'm not. An, I'm not a Sergeant B guy. I'm a fucking. I'm a DRI dealing with it guy for that kind of shit. Oh yeah, that's better. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't like SOD. People do. People love that stuff. I I got it. I gave the record to Mark. Mark, Mark liked it. I didn't like it. I thought Dan. I thought Dan Lockler would save the day with that, but I just thought it was stupid. I don't like. I don't like it. It's just not for me. Nuclear assault's also better than SOD. So I I agree with you on that too. Nuclear assault was a band that I thought sort of sounded like like a poor man's fistful of metal anthrax at in time. So some of those riffs, I think that was Dan's influence, of course. Then I went and saw them. One of the last shows I saw when I still did drugs, I was so fucking, I was tripping on a bunch of ass that we went there, and man, they were fucking great live. We had a fucking blast. Okay, John Connolly's in there. All right, just to get back to the tape trading, anybody, any of my questions to, to add? No, but uh, I think I still <laughs> have my nuclear exorcist cassette in the basement. <laughs> really? There you go. Yeah. Is it bubbling with ooze? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't want. I'm I'm happy to get off. Metallic is my favorite, so I don't, dude. I I, I can tell you this. I, if I went, through, I'm going to do this eventually because I've been doing my raffle shit on Facebook and all that shit for fun. But I'm going to go through my old tapes and see what I still have, dude. I I gave a lot of shit away. And I sold a lot of shit through the years just because I was, it was just sitting in boxes. It was like stuff that, you know, the cassettes don't, don't keep forever, man. <laughs> they just don't. Neither yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, do VHS. No, like shirts, posters, anything you can find. Anything that's just lying around. I'll take, I'd scoop up Metallica shit, dude. You'll have to watch my raffle. I gave away some, I didn't give away, but I sold a few cheaply posters a couple weeks ago. Metallica, I just did an alcoholic club one. Right. Was on my page. Pictures of the band with like Bliff in it, you know, like right. That's always the lineup to me. Is like either the mistake lineup or the Hammond lineup, but it always has Cliff. Right, that's what everybody wants. Somebody wants to love Metallica stuff. or hate Metallica. Cliff's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I have nothing against Cliff Burton at all. Don't get me wrong, right. but I will say this. I will say this, and I stand by it. And if it's shocking, I'm sorry. Anesthesia pulling teeth is one of four and a half minutes of the worst recorded thing I've ever heard on any record. <laughs> well, it's improvised and there's like fifty different solos. I want to see what yeah. just has stacked away in his bass. I know. I was just like, I can't believe a debut album has a bass solo on it. I was like, what oh, the fuck? Ryan is pinnacle. <laughs> but the bass sound on Ride the Light, I always loved it. Just that flomping bass. Sound. Yeah. Was there ever, yeah, I just, on it. It's just crunchy as fuck. Was there ever yeah. a time Kate, that uh, a record label hit you up because you had some kind of like demo that nobody had? Um, 
more more friends just asking me for shit because they knew they knew how crazy I was that I'd just I'd 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 talk my way into shit. I'd work my way into shit. You know, I'd be like, no, I gotta have that shit now. Now, like, I would get advances. Like, another thing that was, I got a lot of shit before a lot of people got was advances of albums. Like, I know, um, I, we had Rain and Blood before it came out. We had Darkness Descends on one side and Rain and Blood on the other, and we were really let down by Rain and Blood. Me and me and Mark were both let down by it. We were just like, ah, we were just thought like, what happened to the long songs? Because we were really into Hell Awaits, like the the Merciful Fate jams of like at dawn they sleep and things like that. And we got it. We were like. Yeah, some of it's decent, but some of it, eh, throw away. But that was one of the things, too. Like, I had Voivod Roar long before it was ever out. All these advanced and rough mixes and things like that. That's most of the shit that people came for. I still got I still got the Trouble, Trouble Def Jam, uh, first album on Def Jam, with a totally different mix that somebody gave me that they never even used. It's way heavier than the one they put out. That's, really? that's a cool fucking what thing. That? People Sound ask for that. See that I'm talking about, like... About- well, no, I'm talking. I'm actually talking about the Def Jam one, the one that Psalm Nine is the first record. Oh, correctly, that then yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they renamed it that because originally the first record, the first record was called Trouble, but later on they called it Psalm Nine because the fourth record was also called Trouble, which you know, and that's why they put Psalm Nine to the first one. But originally the first album was just called Trouble. Psalm Nine came later. If you bought the album in '84 when it came out, it was called Trouble. But then the Def Jam on the debut one, Psychotic Reaction, songs like that. I have a killer uh, advanced mix of that one. Fucking different guitar tones. It's just even heavier than the one that came out. So that was pretty cool. I would love to but hear that because that, that's my favorite trouble release of that. Yeah, self-titled. Somebody was asking for it on Facebook a while ago. I, I got to dig it up. I know I have it for sure. I know it's one side of the trouble album. The other side's got Heavy Metal Army from Japan, which is... uh. E, the EZO guys from Japan, their their early band. But I'll, I'll look for it someday. I, I I love to just pull this shit out and let everybody hear or you know listen to what you want to hear and shit. It's just dude, there's so many boxes of shit. <laughs> That's the problem. And also, not not that I, you know I I do not I actually love Rain and Blood, but I prefer the Metal Blade Year Slayer. Uh, oh, the, the I, my favorite. My favorite Slayer is that EP, man. Haunting the Chapel, believe it or not. Mine Show No Mercy. My Show No Mercy yeah. is the coolest sounding record ever. My problem with Rain and Blood was I just thought half of it sounded throwaway. I thought it was a great production, and I think that's what made it for it. But some of those stuff on there, like um, like like side, especially side two, some of those vocal parts are almost rappy to me. I do not like the vocals in it. At all, like I don't like stuff like "Night Will Come" and "I Will Follow for My Victims." No, tomorrow it just sounds oh, like oh. it almost sounds like the Beastie Boys death metal or something or thrash metal. <laughs> okay. I just, it, just didn't, it didn't do it for me then either. People think I'm fucking out of my mind and all that, and that's fine. But I'm I'm a fucking I'm cryonics kind of guy from Slayer. I'm a fucking face, face the Slayer, fight till death, you know. And of course, Chemical Warfare. Capture a sin, fucking haunting the chapel of the song, and then hell awaits too. Those, those that Final, stuff's great. Final command is such an underrated fucking song. It's a great yeah, song. My my favorite Slayer since I because I bought Show No Mercy when it was new. To this day, man, Cryonics is all time favorite Slayer song, and it's different. You know, it's kind of different, but I love the vibe of that tune. I wish they would have stayed. I love that record. tune too. It's, uh, that whole record is just so haunting. Even the fast stuff. Tom Araya's vocals are unreal on that thing, man. Yes. Yeah. Awesome album. 
Hella Waits is my personal favorite. But it's a good one, too. I, my only problem with Hella Waits for me is the production. I think the fucking drums, some of the snare drops out a lot on it, and so does the, the bass sounds funny to me on it. There's this weird buzz in the background that I keep hearing when I fucking listen to it. Yeah, it's good, though. It is good. Yeah. There's some good shit on it. I like Crips of Eternity on that one. Oh, yeah. At Dawn They Sleep is my favorite Slayer song. Merc- that's Merciful Fate Mania right there. They're so yeah. caught up in that shit. But they see, they abandoned that shit so quick. And I talked to Dave Lombardo about that a few years after they did that record. I interviewed him. And he said, man, they just wanted to simplify so quick. And uh, Rick Rubin just wanted them to just go fast. He's like, just be the fastest band. And Angel of Death and that double bass part, that's what they were going for, that shit. You know, and it just... I don't know. I just it just lost all the all the depth of the songs, the evilness in there. I'm all for fucking fast tunes with a with an eerie vibe. That's one thing Deceased goes for when we play fast to try to keep that hauntingness to it. And that's why, like, you go back to something like you know the early Slayer, like the, like Kill Again. That's got a great haunting vibe, but I don't hear that on Epidemic from you know Rain and Blood. I just don't hear it. I don't know. Yeah. They get back in seasons though, or not seasons. Um, um, South of Heaven though. I feel. Yeah, South of Heaven, I was out. I, we pay, my buddy bought that record. We went to his house. He goes, yeah, Slayer slowed down. I'm like, slowed down? That's all they had going for him. And he put it on. It just didn't do it for me. <laughs> yeah, they totally slowed it down. I think Lombardo's back with hurting them on that record. Lombardo is the band. I love, I love Dave, man. When I interviewed him, the stories he told me, he's the best. What he would do, when, he, when I interviewed him, he was so cool. And he sent me, I even asked him on the interview, I said, dude, you're one of my favorite drummers. He fucking mailed me autograph sticks right to me. He was totally cool. And he just, the stories he would tell me about Kerry King just being the biggest poser were so fun. Like, he was like, dude, he was like, dude, that guy would sit, he's like, that guy would sit in a hot tub for hours and look at pictures of himself in Spin Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I, I love it. But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, you know, that's, these are all fun jokes now, but goddamn, that shit. Think about it. How old that is, man. What is that? We're looking back thirty-four years for that. Yeah. Goddamn. Dave. That shit's dumb. He's like the best, like by far the most talented member of your band, and you pay him the least because he's like three years younger than you. Fuck you, Kerry King. You can't even play league. Right. I know. He's as good That's at league so guitar true. as I am, and I dropped league guitar. Or I dropped guitar in my band. <laughs> I know uh, I've never been I never I never understood that, but it is what it is. People love you know the bands just got their niche, man. You can't tell a Slayer guy they suck. You just can't. You can't tell them that Gemini sounds. You can't tell them that the song Gemini sounds like Alice in Chains. You just can't tell them that. Uh, I saw. I, I I tuned out by that point. Ninety Slayer. Fuck oh, yeah. that. There's no point, man. Um. I mean, I can find something I like from almost every album. I pretty much kept buying their shit as new releases just because I like them so much. But Gemini definitely sounds like Alice in Chains, and they did a lot of crap in there. I and hate I remember getting super excited for God Hates Us All because Carrie King was said he was taking control of the ship or whatever, and it was going to be fucking awesome and evil. And God, did that suck ass. Was that the one with Ditto Head on it? Which one was Ditto Head on? <laughs> oh, D- Ditto Head uh, was um, uh, what the fuck is the name of that record? It was after Seasons in the Abyss. That's, that's the Divine Intervention. First one without Lombardo. I forgot the title. 
Divine intervention. Divine intervention. It's got a yeah. I remember that. I was like, I, 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 we, yeah. They became a good joke to us. We were in the car. We were on tour or something in the car doing a weekend gig or something, and we were like, Slayer has a song called Ditto. And I was like, that's the dumbest fucking song title ever. Ditto. Head. <laughs> yeah. Like from Evil Has No Boundaries. Ditto Head. <laughs> Divine, uh, definitely fucking one. Yeah. Uh, but we, we also do a King Diamond show, and uh, I know you had like an issue with King Diamond, and you me- mentioned Merciful Fate, so would you want to tell your Merciful Fate King Diamond story? Okay. I'm going to tell my whole Merciful Fate story way before it and right after it, just to give you the whole fucking uh, full view. Cool, because I'm going to my, girl, my girlfriend, right My girlfriend, the son of my mother, she passed away now, Carrie, she uh, called me one day and said, listen to this, and she put it over the phone. It was Corpse Without a Soul, the song. And I'm like, wow, that's fucking killer. What is it? It sounds like Priest. She goes, it's Merciful Fate. She goes, this guy's wearing makeup. He's got a fucking upside-down crossbone and shit. I'm like, oh, my God, now I'm fucking 14 years old or whatever it was. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And she's like, yeah, my girlfriend Alex, her cousin, just brought it from overseas. So she taped it for me, and I fell in love with that first fucking EP. Now, the day Melissa came out, they signed to Megaforce in the United States after they'd been on Rave on Records with the first one. Now, I'd been in touch with their manager, which was a guy named John Kibble. He sent me posters and all this shit buttons i still got the first merciful fate fan club patch and button from that time and everything and then he told me it was coming out this day i went to the store i bought melissa fucking loved the fuck out of it it was killer and i was like when are these motherfuckers going to come to america and everybody was falling in love with merciful fate so don't break the oath they come to america they're, they're on tour with exciter i go see them on a sunday matinee for five fucking dollars exciters on violence and force they're on don't break the oath four days later that was in maryland and like around baltimore maryland Four days later, they played in D.C., and they added Motorhead to the bill, and it was like 12 bucks oh, or 8 bucks to get in. Wow. So we saw that on the note. They were on the No Remorse, the, the leather record thing. So we saw them twice. Now, when we saw them the first time at Coast to Coast, it was called, I played pool with King Diamond at the fucking at the thing. And I was like, yeah, my name's fucking King. And he was trying to tell me his real name was Kim and all this shit and all these weird shit. And I was like, okay, well, you know, so we, we, make, we bonded sort of, you know. And I was like, yeah, King. And so... They did the fucking Don't Break the Oath tour. We, we all know they broke up after Don't Break the Oath for a bunch of years. Well, on In the Shadows, they came back. And on In the Shadows, they, they played. And I went to meet them. And I said, hey, remember me, King? And I know the guy's seen everybody around the world, so I'm not expecting him to remember me. But he's a dick. He's just kind of like a push-you-away jerk-off by now. So I was like, all right, whatever. So some guys gave me a copy of their 7-inch to give to him. They said, hey, man, you, you can go backstage in this club, man. Can you give this to him? So I handed him a 7-inch. They were fucking driving away that night. He took the fucking seven inch and threw it off the fucking out the window of the bus and smashed it. And he was like laughing about it. And the guys were like, damn. And they were like so upset. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. He was being a dick to me too, whatever. So then I, I don't know if it was like nine or dead again. Now this is where my story goes to when Merciful Fate records used to come out, they were a fucking event. You would live for that moment. Oh my God. New Merciful Fate Tuesday. Can't wait. Well, then it became kind of, it became very generic to the point where I was like, what is this, Dead Again or Nine or what was that song, Ten Men and a Bottle of Rum or some shit. I don't know what it was. Okay, and I was like, it it wasn't that good anymore, and I've never thought King Diamond Solo was that good. I thought it was my style of music, but I thought a lot of the songs were forgettable. It was kind of like Kitchen Sink. But anyway, so we went to play a show with them, Deceased played, and we got there, and they had this little stairway on stage. It was literally this fold-out stair, and... Mm -hmm. I said, well, we need to set the drums here because I sing and play. We need to have a place for the drums because that's where the monitors were in the place. 
the, 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 the roadies went over and asked him. He was like, absolutely not. Fuck no. No way. And he was just a dick. And I was like, what the fuck? So I was like, dude, this folds up. It goes over here. We play our set. And then you fucking play. And that's it. He would not do it. He was a fucking, just, I mean, he was a prick. He wasn't a dick. He's a fucking asshole about this whole fucking thing. He was just a diva. So when we were on stage, I started going off between songs on the microphone. Because I had to play to the fucking side where there was no monitors. And I was the drummer singer then for the see. So it was a fucking mess to, for, to hear the other guys in the band. Just imagine the drummer off right in the, uh, on stage, you know, and everybody else is in the middle. And you're on the back right with no, with no monitors. There's no front monitors because you're set to the right now. But anyway, yeah. so I was like, you know, I won't break the loaf, but I'll break your fucking jaw, motherfucker, and stick that fucking upside down dick up your ass. And I would all this shit, right? So when the show was over, the roadies come over to me. They're roadies. And they're like, man, they're like, dude, we're laughing so fucking hard at that. And I was like yelling like, merciful fate. Where's the real merciful fate? Where's Kim Ruz? And all this shit. Oh, you got this sixth-rate fucking European soccer team for players and shit, and I don't know what I did, but he, he did he did not like it at all. He was he was upset, and I just fucking left, and after that, I said, you know what? Fuck this, dude, because at that time, we were dealing with so many rock stars in the underground. So many bands were just acting like fucking dicks and divas, and I thought this was the underground. We were all equal, but I guess not. So that was the end of it for me, and I thought the musical output since was bad and I just I you know him selling his fucking win a date with King Diamond go drink grape wine for five hundred dollars at a table and shit like that I think that's just fucking stupid so that's that's my fucking story with Merciful Fate I mean the other guys Michael Denner all those guys I talked to him cool as shit man I mean nice guys but I mean King Diamond is the man as you know and I just I don't know some people can separate the shit and if the music was good maybe I would too but I just it, it makes me not want to play it. And I, I still say the first EP and the first two albums are perfect. 10, 10, 10. And in the shadows is about a nine, you know, when I first came back, but then after that, it's like fours and fives, you know, threes and fours. Mm -hmm. And um, that's pretty much it. You know, if it's childish then it's childish, but I mean, I don't appreciate shit like that, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a professional guy too. People were there to see us too. We charged money or we asked people to pay money to see us on that bill and we couldn't even give them our proper show because of that we've dealt with them we i think we had just also dealt with six feet under with the same kind of fucking treatment and shit and i was just tired of it dude and if you guys haven't noticed i don't shut up so <laughs> yeah but i totally get it you know it's a bad experience <laughs> at least king diamond carries a band chris barnes doesn't have shit <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah, that's exactly. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we're older now, whatever. I don't wish nobody death or anything like that. Back then, I wanted to hit him over the head with an upside-down uh, fucking hammer. But fucking now, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. I mean, just whatever. But, I, but you know, it, 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 it does for me. I'm so passionate. It does for me. It makes me feel like... um. It makes me feel like my heart's hurt from it. You know, it's like, it, it really is. It's like, if Voivod were dicks to me, you know, my buddies seen them 51 times. If they were dicks, I'd feel crushed, you know? Mm, that's just yeah. who I am. That's how I am. I'm nice to anybody that's nice to me, you know? I don't fucking go out of my way to treat anybody like shit. And, you know, and Deceased ain't no no big head honcho anywhere, but we've been doing this 35 years, and we go out, and we have bands that look up to us now for whatever reason, or just, you know, give us respect for how long we've been doing this. And I try to get, you know, I'm like, here, you're here too, man. Use, use the stage, use the banner, use the lights, use the whatever you want to do. But I've said people like, no, 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 don't look there. Don't look these people in the eye. Don't do that. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? 
You know, the, the morbid angel stories, all that shit. And then you meet oh. people like, I, I just met Steve Harris a few months ago when he came to, you know, into town with the British Lion. And that guy's one of the, well, he might be the, you know, in the biggest metal band in the world, Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. He's playing a club to 150 people in Lancaster, Amish County, PA. He's over there fucking rocking. He finishes his set. He picks up his own bass cabinet, walks it off the fucking stage. They've been on stage for 100 minutes in a hot ass, and, you know, he ain't got no special treatment. Ain't nobody fucking fanning him on stage or anything. He finishes, and they tell him, we got to go to New York, you know, for the last night of the tour. And people are all standing there wanting to meet him. He goes backstage, takes a fucking shower, comes out and tells everybody, I'll meet everybody. I'll stay here as long as it takes, and I'll fucking sign two items for every person here tonight. Thank you so much for the support, you know, calling everybody the punters and shit. And I'm like, if he can fucking do it, anybody can fucking do it. Right. That's my my idol. That's my musical idol. He looks the same. He acts the same. Maiden's never fucking budged for nobody. They made it their own way with their music. They went out and played and, you know, and, and earned the masses. They earned what they do and shit. And fucking, he was the nicest fucking man to me, man. And I, I'll never forget that in my whole life. Respect the shit out of the man. And, and what a segue into talking about Martin Birch, who just passed away a few days ago. Actually, was it yesterday? Uh, well, you want yeah. one? We're cutting the episode right here. No, we're continuing. Oh, just continuing. Well, I, I just yeah. want to say a funny Chris Barnes story. Uh, we played with Chris Barnes, uh, Six Feet Under, at a, in Puerto Rico, and backstage after they played, he was having such a hissy fit because his weed box was. He had this little wood box that said uh, Chris Barnes on it, and he had weed in it. He caused such a ruckus about it. And they want to go back to the hotel. One of the bands opened from Port fucking with the box and smoking and making. And I was like, dude, that guy was going nuts looking for that shit. Just, uh, yeah, I can tell you stories too. I mean, that's just one of those people. One of the guys I want nothing to do with does not represent what I consider part of the underground. Just I'm not part of it. Butchered at birth is probably Cannibal's best release, but it's like he's not even the best vocalist on his own material. Yeah, he's. Like, I don't I like the guy. Copy of live cannibalism instead of the old tapes for a reason. It's it's just the same material but with a much better vocalist. Also, I'm outside because I'm getting high again because I can feel myself starting to sober up, and that's not very threatening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love I love George from Cannibal Corpse. He's a friend of mine growing up, and I got some great stories on him. He's in a fun way. I love him. He's a good guy. He's just. He's just so fucking goofy, man. I grew up with that dude. He'd come to our shows. And... I fucking love him. He's like the best. Yeah, I know. He's ever in pure ability. And Monstrosity was fucking awesome, too. I love yeah, I love George. I mean, they, I love when he was in Corpse Grinder. When he was in Corpse Grinder, we played. You know, he was always hanging out. He'd always come see the seats. And he, he'd always, he would never get up front, man, because it would be so crazy. The pits would be so crazy in our shows in the 80s. Where he would just be in the back, and there's a video. There's a video of him on the YouTube. Like that? What's that? Was he always able to windmill his head like that? He didn't do it then. He wouldn't do one at these shows. He was always playing with his head. With a normal size neck. <laughs> All I know is he was always playing with his fucking hair, man. Boy, making sure it was winged back like Farrah Fawcett. I know that. <laughs> but... But dude, I love I love George, man. I love those guys. I'm not even I'm not a big Cannibal Corpse guy myself at all, but I respect them because they've done it their way too, man. You know they've gone out and did it and tour year after year, and they keep on trucking too. I wish them the I love best, them man. Because 
they're like the incarnate of death metal, you know? Yeah. Like they are just it, the it most is. death metal band that ever death metal. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I love George. I just, I mean, he's just fucking funny. I love Paul too. Yeah, they're all. Yeah, I mean, fucking. I really know the most. I know is is uh, George and Alex, the ones I know the most. But I wish them well. <laughs> all right, Martin Burst. We want. Let's talk about Martin Burst. Who's gonna go first? <laughs> Trying to get there. Well, I just so, uh, let's start off. I with just Pete listened Purple. to Cultosaurus Erectus today. Actually, just, yeah, great fucking record that he did a really good job on. He's the best metal. He's Love the best metal hard rock producer of all time. He's the best metal hard rock producer of all time. He brought off the best in all any band we talk about. If you go to Purple, whatever you go to, Purple, Rainbow, Black Sabbath, fucking Maiden, you go to their best shits with him, man. White Snake. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean that's just worth that. I mean he he knows how to he knew how to pull those perfect amount of choruses out of Maiden because we all know Maiden started doing the choruses a little yes. too much when they got away from yes. you know they would overdo the chorus. The choruses are too long nowadays. I'll say that too. He he had it perfect. I mean, all the way to the end of that run, and what he did with Sabbath, man, wow! With the Dio Sabbath, my God, yeah, unbelievable! I would have loved. Too. But literally, yeah. My, my one problem with every Maiden album after fucking um 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 what's the one that came out in two thousand um Brave, Brave New World. World every every Maiden album after Brave New World, the main problem is end the fucking song, Steve Harris. Yeah. What they I go on. Since X Factor, they were doing that. It's not like they. I'm a big verses or like more melodic parts. It's just chorus repeats. Yeah, I know he does go on long. I I think Steve Harris has really found he likes to go into his seventies prog fucking feel too much now. It's really showing now. No, I'm a no, I'm a massive. I, I think Book of Souls is one of my favorite Maiden albums they ever did. I'm a big Book really? of Souls guy. Oh, I love it. I've I, I played that record at least 150 times since it came out. I think it's the best record of the last 10 years. Really? I, I, I find it very hard to listen to for me. I just, I just Man, I know a lot of people do. For me, it's the best. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that album, but I will say the title track is the best song Maiden's done since Power Slave. Come on. Man, I love man. The the I love Ghost of the Navigator. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, I, I thought we were talking about Book of Souls. Yeah, that's what he was. Okay, yeah. 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 Title tracks, Book of Souls. That's a great one. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of... That's my favorite off Brave New World, Ghost of the Navigator. Well, the that's a great song. Off Brave New World. Yeah. I see my thing. I, I, I think Brave New World's the worst record with Dickinson since he came back. I think oh, there's too much of his solo. I see. I think there's too much of... I think there's too much of his solo vibe to some of that. Like Silent Planet, I do not like that. It does not sound like Maiden to me. I agree, but, but I do like some. I do like some of it though. I mean, what's what's the one on there? Mercenary. I like Mercenary. Yeah. Right. Oh well, but Martin Birch kicks ass, and if I was to pick an all-time favorite from him, I'd say Peace of Mind's my favorite Martin Birch record by any uh, by any band he did, followed by Mob Rules. Oh, yeah. If I had to pick one. Somewhere Killers. I'd, I'd, I'd say Rainbow Rising. That'd be my Rainbow Rising. Rainbow Rising's great. My if everybody, everybody goes three, if I'll, I'll go, I'll say Pizza Mines one for me, Mob Rules is two for me, and Fire of Unknown Origin is three for me. If we can only go one per band. 
that's that's one of mine. Uh, Fire of Unknown Order, I'll go with that one. Fear of the Dark, I really like. Um, but I'm going to agree with Nate, uh, Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in Time, that's if I have the That's my favorite. That's album. one of my favorite ones. That's a great one. Somewhere in Time and Killers, it's going to be And even, um, even Heaven and Hell, Black Sabbath, that's, that's a great one. I like Heaven and Hell. And by all of us naming our favorites right now, it shows us how cool Martin Birch is, because nobody's named a shitty record that any of us would call a shitty record. Right, no. <laughs> Nope. Nope. And I'm even going through the list. Like I didn't know he did White Snake and uh, Wishbone Ash and uh, what oh, the yeah. hell was the other one? Uh, Fleetwood Mac even did. Oh yeah, you had to start I'm somewhere. Sure. I'm not sure if he produced it, but I know he had something to do with the first Sabbath album too. Probably mixed it or something. I know he had something to do with the first Sabbath album. I I believe he 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 either mixed or was Roger Bain's assistant. On that. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. See, for me, the first Black Sabbath was engineered Tom Allen, Judas Priest fame. Yeah, maybe I do have that confused. Yeah, Tom Allen. Yeah, Tom yeah. Allen was the one that did the first Black Sabbath. Birch came later on. I feel like I feel like we're all talking. I feel like we're all on the we're on the um, walkie-talkies in the thing movie. Like, yeah, none of us survived. <laughs> burn the underwear. Burn the underwear. <laughs> it was funny. I, I, I was trying to remember like what other album did he do like recently and, and then i go look on, on wikipedia the last album that he did was 92 fear of the dark oh he, he retired that was it he was done they yeah. tried to talk him out of retirement many times and that, many many interviews i've done for deceased if you could have one wish what would it be it would have been to let martin birch do one of our albums yeah he's the best he, he knew how to get the best out of everybody. I mean, look what he did to Boys Tricolt, man. I mean, he, he turned them into, they were like a looser band. They were almost like a, like a hard, heavy version of the Grateful Dead when they came out. You know, that's the truth. Yeah. And then he yeah. got those songs out of them, man. He started pulling them together. And, you know, they got from, like, Don't Fear the Reaper on up to Burning for You. He got that shit beautiful, man. And that oh, yeah. Fire of Unknown Origins, the masterpiece. Shit like Joan Crawford or Vengeance the Pack, man, shit. What yeah, saying, he... He Better actually only produced two, though, Coldosaurus Erectus okay. and Fire of Unknown Origin. Right, right. But I'm saying, like, he, he got, he, what he, I'm saying is that those songs that they started to make, he pulled more of those out of them. He basically, was as he got involved with the band, he was the one that said, look, you can write Don't Fear the Reaper. Let's go with that shit. And he started giving them more songs, you know, because yeah, they were yeah. just loose jamming. I mean, yeah. and he pulled it together nicely. You, you know what's funny about that is, uh, you know, Don't Fear the Reaper, Buck Dharma wrote that one. And um, Burning for You and a few of the other songs on Fire of the Unknown Origin, Martin asked him what he was working on and he played him some of his solo album. And he's like, no, these three songs here and especially Burning for You, those are BOC songs and that's going to be a hit. <laughs> that's true. That's I true. remember. I remember You're right. Totally changed around how they were going to write and record that album and just made it perfect. <laughs> well, what a masterpiece. I love it. Yeah, that is my favorite voice to call Fire and Unknown That's my favorite. Oh, me too. It's weird, man. Some of it's new wave-ish, some of it's pop, some of it's metal, some of it's rock. I mean, it's just blue oyster cold all the way. It's sci-fi 101. Joan Crawford, come on. That's one of the freakiest yeah, fucking dudes fucking, we'll ever hear. Yeah, my friend played me that in his car one day, and I'm like, that song's really good. Really yeah, cool. Was, and, that fucking, and the video. I'll put the video for the video that song. Fucking, yeah, that is so yeah. weird. But all their videos are freaking weird. Veteran I know, the Burning for You. Burning for You, and it's just like the whole car on fire with the people in it. That's great. 
<laughs> and that, that shooting shark video is completely like, uh, I don't even know what the hell that video is. Bad acid, man. Bad acid. <laughs> or good acid. I don't know who you're talking yeah, to. Right? Yeah, right? I saw the Fire Oh No No Origins tour, and MTV was there. They filmed the whole thing. It ended up on the Blue Jean Network. You guys remember the Blue Jean Network? Oh, yeah. I got that video. Yeah, I was at wow. that show with Foghat. And, uh, MTV yep, I, filmed dude, the I taped it. I had the tape of it off TV. It was on CBS. I Blue Jean Networked it all up. I got them, I got Hart, I got Fall Cat, I got Journey from that motherfucker. I, I, you know, I know all those shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, thanks to Tony Dio, he uh, hooked me up. Because I remember seeing it on MTV and uh, Blue Jean Network back in the day. But yeah, it's cool to actually have a show, pro shots from your favorite album from the band on a DVD. Fucking awesome. That's true. Well, mine, show. I guess mine is the Faba show when they have it in hell at the Radio City Hall going to that show, man. That was a fucking, cl- that's, that's, uh-huh. that's mine, I guess. And I guess Kiss too, Kiss the, the Largo 79 oh, show nice. too. That was my, oh, yeah. that was my first concert ever. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's nice to get a pro shot of that. <laughs> I'm looking at the sponge. I'm looking at the sponge I got from the fucking disco ball right now. I still got it right here. <laughs> what, what don't fucking you have 40- Oh my God! Forty-one years ago, I got that fucking thing. So my mom was like, "What the hell is the ceiling caving in?" I said, "No, mom, it's Kiss Army." She said, "What the hell? The army's here?" I was like, "No, it's a sponge. It's the Kiss fucking army, mom." She looked at me. My mom said, "I said, what'd you think?" She said, "They were loud as shit." <laughs> Great yeah. time. My first show was in '79 as well, and even though I'm older, my parents were a little more strict. But, you know, right. I actually I had to sneak out of the house to see the Heaven and Hell tour and with Riot opening. It wasn't Blue Oyster Cult. And uh, when I got home, my dad was waiting for me with the belt, and it was worth every goddamn lash, man. <laughs> yeah. It was well, my, kiss was the, my kiss was the best. But unfortunately, my second show was Aerosmith, 89 in the ruts, and they were fucking god-fucking-awful, man. Oh, was that at I Largo? Think- that was it. That was at Largo. It's on. It's on the internet too. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Steve Tyler. Steven Tyler fell off the stage twice. Twice during the show. <laughs> my mom. My mom looked at me. And she said, "My mom said Kingsley." I said, "What, mom?" She said, "Sugar, this sucks." <laughs> but Mother's Finest opened. Thirty-eight special and Mother's Finest opened. They were killer. So that yeah, but what sucked what sucked about it was I could have got tickets to I, I got the pick, you know, my mom would go about once a year for the first couple of times. Kiss in seventy nine, eighty, my friend Andy said, Let's go see Aerosmith. I wasn't the biggest Aerosmith guy to begin with. I wanted to go see Angel with Frank Marino and Humble Pie and Mother's Finest. But we ended up going to Aerosmith and it stunk. But by the third show, my mom said, You know what? Just go yourself. I'll drop you off and pick you up. And the third show was Black Sabbath Mob Rules with Alvin Lee and fucking um, Mick Taylor from the Stones. And that's when I sold my soul to rock and roll for real. That's when I became a heavy metal mutant. That was December 3rd, 1981. That, I still got my baseball jersey. I'll never give that away. And that, that literally is the day I became, I mean, I was already loving my rock and my metal, but that's when I said my whole life's going to be, that's, that's what I'm doing. That night when Dio said, go to hell, I'm going to burn in hell with all of you. And that cross came up in the fire and then, Turn Up the Night was actually played live at one of the only shows they played it on that tour, and I was just blown the fuck away. So that was my first three shows, Kiss, uh, Aerosmith, and Sabbath. I'd go, I'd say Kiss was a nine, Aerosmith was a two, and Sabbath was a ten. 
Kiss would have been perfect if they just uh, Peter Chris was fucking up a few parts, as we all know. But that's yeah. all it went. Yeah. Um, um, the Mob Rules show. But, yeah, Mob Rules. Uh, uh, they didn't play Turn On. Uh, you're you're uh, breaking up really bad. Bro. Doesn't, doesn't yeah. like that song. You're breaking up. Oh, really I'm bad. sorry. Mm. It's okay though. Oh, We're still gonna burn the underwear. Burn the underwear. <laughs> yeah, I suppose we should circle back around and do the three too. Uh, Better get out of hand. Yeah, I'd I'd have to go. Killers, Heaven and Hell, and Fire of Unknown Origin. There you go. Those are beautiful albums. Killers is a great sounding record, man. He he got he brought out the drums really good. Clive Burr does a lot of intricate shit that people don't really realize he's doing, and he got it all on tape, man. It's a shame he didn't get to do the first Maiden. You know, it's a shame that didn't happen. Yeah, fucking Genghis Khan is one of my favorite uh, Maiden songs, though. He sounds fucking amazing on that track. Clive does. I love the title track. Can you still uh, hear that? He was supposed to do the first album, but uh, I guess the band picked another producer or something. I forget what the reason. I think Birch, I think they were going to. Try, if I remember the story right, now, probably not really on this one. I think he was doing Bluester Colt right then instead, oh, or Sabbath yeah, maybe. I don't know. They may have been mixing Live Evil or something. I don't know what it was, but it was something to do with it. Or I guess it wasn't Live Evil. That was '82, but. I saw actually saw Sabbath again right after '81. They came back and they did ten shows. It was called the Live Evil Summer Tour. The album wasn't out yet. We were and they only did ten shows because they didn't get all the footage, the uh, audio they needed on the um, at the um, you know the Mob Rules tour. So what's weird is on the Live Evil album when he's talking about he's like yo and he's talking about the cameraman and the next this uh, album's going to be live. They did that at our show, too, but it doesn't say that Marilyn was one of the shows used to record that, but I swear what he says on there either. He did it every night, and it was staged, or it was from our show, but it was them and Johnny Van Zandt band opened up on that one. And it was just yeah. at Meriwether Post. It was, a little, it was a little pavilion, Meriwether Post, where they do the M3 <laughs> festival and shit, but oh, yeah. it, I saw that. I think that was like some. It was the same day. It was the weekend that Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out because my mom went to the mall and watched that, and I saw that show. I was in the last fucking row, man, in in the place. But it was it was great, man. And that was and then Dio quit. You know, he's gone, and then you know we all know what happened from there. Mm, yeah. I I actually saw my first concert at Meriwether Post, and it was Kiss. Oh yeah, which tour? Uh. It, it was after the initial reunion tour, but it was before the farewell tour, like 98, 99. Was it with Ted Nugent? Yes, Nugent Open. Oh, yeah. I was there. Or two. Yeah. Were you? I, th- I thought it was an amazing show. <laughs> oh, I, dude, I, I, I just, I think Kiss, I think I've seen Kiss now, what, 20? I don't know a lot. I, I saw him twice on this farewell already. I wanted to go again. We were supposed to see him in, in um, Atlantic City here in August, but obviously we're not. That was the last show I saw before the Corona came. We just went and saw him and David Lee Roth, man. I wasn't, a David, I wasn't into David Lee Roth, man. Me, me, and, me and fucking Ralph, I mean, not, uh, fucking uh, Ruben fucking had it out on that. <laughs> Dude, David Lee Roth was fucking... It was fucking atrocious. He was, it was like somebody said, hey... You in the fourth row, you look like David Lee Roth. Come up here and act like him. 
He went on stage. He quit. Dude, he couldn't even walk. He couldn't even walk from one side of the stage to the other. He was so sore that night or something. And he was just goofy. But Kiss was killer, man. We saw him at a little place in Allentown, PA. I think it held like shit, maybe 4,000 people. I've seen them twice on this tour. I think they're great. I, mean, I don't know what's up with this lip syncing thing and shit and all that. I mean, I know some of it's being lip synced for sure. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I love them. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they were great then. That, <clears throat> that was an awesome show, you know, and you can't really pick a better first concert than Kiss. The whole fucking no. spectacle. <laughs> I saw you too. I thought they were fucking great. And that was my favorite. Right. You're, you're kicked off the show. Right. You yeah. have failed. <laughs> you're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> You've just been replaced by King Fowley. <laughs> hey! I need something to do on fucking <laughs> on Wednesday night. Wednesday nights. Wednesday with King. Actually, I keep should, getting people keep coming to me for that shit. People keep asking me to DJ shows and shit. I know I do. I hear it all the time. Like, dude, you got to have your own podcast. You got to be a DJ. You got to have this. You got to do that, man. You're funny. You're this and that. I'm like, all right, <laughs> but when <laughs> I don't even have a fuck. I'm on a fucking uh this phone here. This uh little. Bullshit phone, man. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day I'll do it. I did, I did guest DJ on Sirius one time. And that went pretty good. Oh really? Ooh, that's cool. I'm actually going to do a guest DJ for a, a um some website at the beginning of next month. I, it was all taped though in advance. I got to still do all that. Like Twenty songs, like how you got into metal and shit, or something. It's like two hours, and oh, I'll be blasting cool. out some shit. Maybe some black lace. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> that's killer. But, but, but one day maybe I'll maybe I'll come in and we'll 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 have some fun with it. Yeah, awesome. All right. Anybody else got any any other uh, questions, stories, anything? Am I still breaking up? No, you could. All right. My my three would be rising. Um, uh, damn. Uh, Killers and um, Mob Rules will be my favorite Martin Birch albums. Oh. You got a special sound on Mob Rules. That high hat he brought out of Vinny Apathy on that's great. Yeah. I don't like I'm not a Vinny Apathy guy. I'm not a Vinny Apathy guy at all, but boy, the sun was shining on his ass on that one, boy. He kicked ass on that record. The drums are huge, man. Almost yeah, was amazing sound on that album. Sign of the Southern Cross, there ain't nothing cooler than that. Oh yeah. Thank you for Falling agreeing with me with that. Who, somebody disagreed with me on that song. Yeah. Uh, love that song. Yeah. That's fucking me, awesome. I, I mean, I love Mob Rules. It's, it's a good record, but uh, he Heaven and Hell is just where it's at. I mean, oh, yeah. It's die really Young. Well, Heaven <laughs> and Hell is Gather the Wind. Yeah, my favorite song they do with Dio is, for me, my favorite Dio era song is Wishing Well. I like Wishing Well, man. Oh, yeah. Heaven and Hell is, uh, Wishing I like well Heaven and Hell. a rainbow song at points. I like Heaven They're both perfect. More than Mob Rules. I like the sound of Mob Rules more. I like Mob Rules more than Heaven and Hell. But I love them both. They're both tens. It's like, you know, it's like we're picking Jacqueline Smith or Cheryl Ladd here on Charlie's Angels, man. We're okay here. <laughs> I just, I think for me, Mob Rules, because I went and saw the concert then, and that's like really when I got into Heavy Sabbath was then. It was a little bit after Heaven and Hell as a kid. I just, I mean, turn up the night right into Voodoo, right into fucking Sign of the Southern Cross. Come on, man. Right into yeah. E5150, into Mob Rules. And then you flip the record and you get fucking Country Girl. 
slipping away, falling off the edge of the world, and then that fucking over and over out throws lead. There's nothing cooler than that. Because then you got to go to walk. You got to go to heaven and hell. And what I, what makes it easy for me to say mob rules is I still think walk away is a pretty weak song. <laughs> mm, no. That's nothing cooler than that. Master of reality. Mm-hmm. Hmm? That's what's cooler than that. Oh. <laughs> you asked what's cooler than that. Master of reality. If we- if we go to Ozzy, I'm going Never Say Die. Never Say Die is my Ozzy album. Yeah, I love that fucking record. That. We talked I'm about great. that, King. Love Never Say Die. I think Air Dance and Junior's Eyes are masterpieces. Oh, man. All of Johnny Blade. Man, fuck yeah. yeah. Fucking over to you. Over to you. Swing yeah, nothing's cooler than Junior. There's nothing more haunting than Junior's Eyes melody. There's nothing more haunting. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Phantasm soundtrack. <laughs> really, the only song on that record I find kind of weak is the title track, and that's just because it's so upbeat, and Ozzy just sounds yeah, like a the- fucking zombie on that song. Yeah, they're like Breakout. That's, a, that's my only problem with the album is Breakout. I'm fine with that. I, I just think it's bizarre going into the last thing. And I love how Bill Ward brings it up. It's so weird. Gotta believe it. Gotta believe it. <laughs> you're like, you're freaking out. You know, and you, as you guys ever noticed if, while I were talking about it, listen to that, that one part on Swing in the Chain. Do you notice that they actually edit the song and they actually, you could tell they like play the other part somewhere else and piece it together? When it yep. goes to that, da, 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 listen to it. Next yeah. time you listen to it, when it changes that last that last riff of the album, you can tell that it's a poor cut too. It's a poor fucking edit onto that, but you can tell they did not play that live together. It's definitely another take, and they just said, "Hey, add this to the ending here on this downbeat." It's not as bad an edit as fucking. It's not as bad as edit as the beginning of Torpedo Girl on Unmasked, though. When they do that man battle station torpedoes. <laughs> Dude, that fucking, if you listen to it, that fucking, we'll just call it the sample, that fucking recording. They do not get the M from man. They fucking cut it. It goes, and battle station torpedoes. I don't like the song to begin with. That makes me laugh so hard because it's like you couldn't even get the pronunciation of the M man. It's, it, it's just, and battle station torpedoes. It comes in like, oops, I missed it. Oh, well, leave it. But anyway, yeah, that's that so, so the change. I hate that I hate, song. I, <laughs> I hate all the Ace Freely songs on Unmasked. I do too, uh-huh. man. I think the worst one is that Two Sides of the Coin. That one's ridiculously bad. I like that song. I like, no. I like Talk to Me. It's, it's yeah, definitely like not me as best, it, but that one's okay. But yeah, Two Sides of the Coin is garbage. That's so bad. All I need, all I need is the Paul. I just need the Paul songs, man. I just easy as it sings tomorrow. What makes the world go around? Those three, especially. Is that you? Is not their tune, but it's good. I don't mind Shandy and Naked City, man. And she's so European. Yeah. I'd have been perfect. I do not like your All That I Want, the last tune, and I do not like the eight songs, or it would have been the, one of the greatest sounds ever made. I love that. Yeah. That might be my favorite. That might be my favorite Kiss record if it was an EP. I love Dynasty too, though, man. Those huh. Dynasty's well, underrated, Dynasty's man. Dirty Little. Yeah. I don't think there's a bad there, song on Dynasty. I think no. every song. Yes, is. yes, there is, and what? it's Charisma. I love it. Uh, I, love- I like Charisma. I like Charisma. I don't like Two Thousand Man. I don't like Two Thousand oh, Man. I love it. I oh, love. I love- My name is a number. <laughs> I hate the Stones I'm- version, but I love the Kiss cover. I love. Sure, no stop. Yeah, Magic Touch and Sure Knows Something. That's my favorite, too. Yeah. 
Magic. And I like, I really like Dirty Living, man. Makes you want to get on the floor and shake my ass, man. But it's good. <laughs> Dirty Living's my favorite outfit, actually. I love that. I, I love his voice, man. Dirty Living. Dirty Living. Woo. <laughs> you ever like the 10-minute dance version? They do the 10-minute dance version on the, on the other side of I Was Made For Loving You 12-inch. God, it's so long. Just keeps going. I can't wait any longer. 30 minute cocaine mix. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'm, I'm totally into it. Very cool. All right. Well, nobody's got anything else. Nate, you got anything else? You think you got something? No? No. All right. Great. Uh, I have right. to say. Yeah. You can just mute your, show, uh, your mic over there. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> well, I thank you very much for coming on the show, King. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's been a blast, dude. It's always fun with you guys. Heavy metal attack, and you get fucking get the Florida connection too. Shit, you guys are rocking like docking tonight, but not docking 2020. Docking that's for damn sure. (laughs) Hell no. Please no. Thank God. Great talking to you, King. I'll tell you all you guys, man. Fuck yeah, it was great. It's fun, man. I feel like I almost got out of the house tonight, man. Fucking hey, man. Thanks, yeah, everybody, take care of yourself, man. We'll definitely do it again whenever you want, man. I'm always here. You know that. Right yeah, on. So, I, I'd like to get you on my podcast one day. We'll talk about that. You got it, man. You guys enjoy yourself. I'll let you be. All right, <laughs> again, enjoy thank you later. very much. All right, have a good Cheers. Night. You too, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, and uh, if anybody wants to go buy the new album that he has out, uh, go find him on uh, Facebook. To the King Crowley. Yep. Adam, Adam on Facebook because there's times he sells really cool shirts that I, I have a oh, bunch of. He's, yep, he's he's got pictures of like his whole house. It's like a museum, and now he's he's auctioning all the stuff off. Yeah, I so, know. I seen I seen it. I seen. Yeah, yeah he's on my Facebook, and uh, yeah. I, I must own about twelve twenty shirts he sold because <laughs> he always has the, like the obscure shit. You know, yeah. he put, oh uh, yeah, like uh, I, oh shit, I gotta get that. You know. Yep, so Adam, so you can get the new album. Um, mine's coming, it's on the way, so that'll be fun when I get it. But uh, otherwise, check out ratsoutreview.com and uh, buy our t shirts, please. We got another one in, on the works. And uh, please check out Ralph's uh, Almost Human. Uh, is it just Almost Human, right? Almost Human on YouTube and Vieira Vault, the podcast, which is also on Ratsout Network. That is true, it, it is, is here as well. And as well, as check out Nate's band. I'm going to remember this now, Nate. Uh, Major Malfunction. There you go. And Major M. Bannett on Twitter. Please add them. They are in the works of making their album. So. I'm still amazed that's so hard for you to remember. I, you know what it is? I just don't care. So I just, oh, you know, I just yeah. like, you know. What's your Major Malfunction, you hey. nuts? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, fucking, exactly. I love that movie. So <laughs> there's just so much information this brain can only hold. You know, it's it's still new to me. Once yeah, once he, get, he once he shows me like music where he's singing and actually you know things are happening, then I'll remember it more. Singing is an oh, overstatement. Sure. Yeah, it's true. But uh, that's it. Uh, if you got any comments, please leave the comments into the comment section on YouTube, and we will answer them. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Until then. Later. Toodaloo. Wear a mask so we can get back. Mac Yes, Toodaloo? I don't know. I don't have any sayings yet. <laughs> <laughs>